What's up, everybody? It's Hotline League episode 152, and boy, are we happy to be bringing you the show, because other shows in the space have decided to just take the rest of the year off. You know, like, they're just they're just not interested. Uh, but we've got so many more episodes to go this year for you, including this one. And uh, we are we are so desperate for your time and money that we can't afford to take it off. True. Whereas the other things can. True. What are you what are you what are you wearing? I put my hoodie on just on my head okay. to keep my hair up. It's like a hairnet. This is there's a TikTok trend where people wear like they do that with their hair. They put like a, a towel or something on their hair whenever they are trying to um have a con like a pseudo conversation and when it's like a one man or one yeah woman yeah it's how they differentiate themselves yeah, yes, yes. yeah 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 generally by by saying that that's like the the girl in the in the tiktok so anyway indeed i guess that's what we're doing here uh it is a special episode everyone because we frequently <laughs> have guests on the show and tonight we've decided not to have a guest we've decided to solely dedicate this episode to you the viewers and because of that we're also going to not really have uh too many like dedicated topics to discuss um instead we're going to let you guys it's open open mic uh night here on hotline league where you guys get to choose the topics i mean you normally uh, do but it's usually within the, the confines of what happened in the past week this time we want to hear whatever you guys want to talk about so I love how you try and spin this positively. It's a very special episode where we finally have to take all the calls about people, what people think a good format would be that will never see the light of day. So actually, uh, I haven't done the video yet. Do so we want to do it? What? I was going to say, do we want to go down that rabbit hole? Because that's like the rabbit hole we open up and we say, we'll talk about anything. And then people start talking about, you know, let's copy first strikes format or let's do. I this mean, it's thing, so funny you say that because I was, I'm planning I saw on doing a tweet. video yeah, about I saw how tweet. Valorant's for, new format for next year is going to be, it's what every league fan I think wishes we had, right? Which is like, they showed me, I think I'm allowed to say this. Um, they showed me the stuff under embargo and then I think Peter retired. And so then I couldn't do the video that day because I was doing that video instead. And I just haven't gotten around to it yet, but like, one of the uh, notes in their like presentation to me was like, it's shamelessly global. And I'm like, that is something you could never say about League of Legends esports um, and the way that it works, right? Like this year we had one uh, international event, I guess, uh, next year or two with, with MSI. But I think we can talk about that. Um, so if people want to talk about the Valorant stuff, that's fine. Um, I think the only things we should avoid are like, I feel like once a month, anytime we do this, what are some of the topics? People always call in with like the same topics sometimes. Uh, like, I don't know. Uh, there's so there's so many that like repeat themselves. Yeah, I can't even TSM Hooney was a bad pickup. Like, thanks. Yeah, but there's out. some that are just perennial favorites, right? Like, yeah. pros are well, pros in North America are lazy. You know, like that's just a oh. people love that one. Oh, um, that actually did happen this week though. Because um, there was the translation from Crown. Oh yeah. From ambition to Twitch stream to someone interpreting and bringing it up. Yes. Um, which then Aloran, who I, I like a lot, responded to. Yeah, a couple of people did. I think uh, it wasn't yeah. Aloran. It was also there was somebody else on Optic. Oh, well, Kelsey Moser had a really funny tweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did too. But there were a couple of people that were like, uh, not so accurate. Um, by the way, this episode brought to you by Alienware. Uh, love Alienware, really excited about them. We also have, I was hoping to announce it this episode, but Mark knows what it is, but we have a, 
a supposed sponsor coming up soon that we are both oh, really I excited do know. about. We're just uh, waiting to sign the paperwork. I was hoping it would get solved today, but unfortunately not. Um, Will we be able to listen on stream as a part of the sponsorship? What? Don't, don't talk like about how... this right now. Talk, don't, don't get me in trouble before I get this paperwork signed, please. Well, I haven't even asked anything specific. This I, is like the, this is like the spoiler thing. It's a, that's exactly it's, what I it's, it's just... Uh... It's subjective. You suck so much anyway let's get into the show um we are twitch chat killing me right now uh it's we... it's a d it's a dj sponsorship to be able to listen to music on his streams you're the worst um so anyway let's talk about stuff so there was the crown thing um there so was I think, I think normally we don't want to talk about that but given that there's an actual reason to talk about it this week i think it'd be down Okay, yeah. If people want to call in about the grant, I just don't know how much there is to say. I mean, if people want to ask, I guess people can ask us questions, right? Like if people actually are curious yeah, we can about have a bit more what Q&A North American too. LCS culture is, I think we have a pretty good understanding of like the culture over here and how things work. And so I think sometimes, yeah, people are fairly ignorant on that stuff or they do think people are lazy or they think that people They think like the LA that. culture really does yes, party yes, stuff. Yes. I mean, if the LA culture meant before. anything, it would be like, we go out for food too much yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like we, or we order too much food. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, there's that. I mean, last got confirmed for TSM so they can be our TSM topic for the week. Wasn't that already confirmed though with the double lift N- stuff? No, I mean, he leaked it, but I don't, I think he leaked it in the past week even, um, but it was official, officially announced. I think. I, I know they yesterday. put that video out or whatever. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know. I think, I think most of the rosters are confirmed now and we have not, I think done a call. We did one that was speculative for like the, the signing day or whatever. Um, but we did not do anything now that a lot of the stuff has been solidified. So if people have a take like, wow, Dignitas is, you know, not what I want them to be, or they're great or, uh, whatever, like uh, everything has been kind of confirmed for the most part now. So I think, um, people will be able to chat about that in a way that maybe they weren't able to previously. Anywho, um, actually, I guess, Mark, we didn't do our normal thing of like, how, how are you? How have you been this week? Um, so I just got confirmed for my new apartment today. I need to get the check and sign the lease and stuff for tomorrow. Um, but I'm moving, I'm moving legitimately like a block and a half away from you. Yes. I didn't know if we were going to, if you want I should have asked you beforehand because I wasn't sure if you were comfortable with it, but, um, leak away, dude. But, uh, yeah, Mark is going to be moving a block away from me, which is, it's, I don't even think it's a block and a half, by the way. It is like. There's one block between us. I live on one corner and on the other side. Of, yeah. Yeah. Block is used very liberally there yes. because it's like, it's more like a neighborhood suburb. I will be able know? to exit the front of my place and walk two minutes and be at the front of Mark's place. Which is great for COVID. You know, I'm really glad to be moving so close to a friend in, in this year of all I mean, years. Especially when the stay at home order in LA gets lifted, we can like <laughs> walk around the neighborhood with masks on, I guess. Uh, I guess but we're pretty true. excited about that. Um, and especially after COVID, I'm wondering if um, th- this is something that I know you're not going to like the idea of, of doing the show. Doing Hotline League together? Yeah. I was thinking it already, dude. You were thinking about how you didn't want to do it or you were thinking it'd be a good idea? I just thought about it as an idea. Okay. Ashley just said no. He said after COVID gets lifted. Why is Ashley I, responding I still to agree no. with only being able to hear half of it? Well, because she just heard what I said about doing the show together. 
I think it's a terrible. Well, will we do it at your place or mine? Probably mine. I mean, actually, probably won't that office anyway. sucks for two people. Um, I can clean it a little bit and uh, reorganize it a bit, and then we can make it work. I think. Would you do two microphone input? Yeah, the now because now I've got the focus right, and so I can. It's got two. The one thing I did do was I made sure that it has two inputs, so I could buy another one of these very expensive microphones. Shout out to all the subs in the chat, and um, and then you and I could talk together on this. And then I guess we'd have like a separate laptop. You could bring your laptop or I could provide you with one and then you could still handle that stuff. I, the only thing that would be weird is like, I would hear your conversations next to me when you go into the chat to try to like pull people. Right. But I think we could, I think we could navigate it. Honestly. I mean, we could, and we're definitely getting a little ahead of ourselves, but like, I don't know what the benefit is. Stay tuned, everyone. 2021, Mark and I will be doing live in-person episodes with each other. For no reason. For no benefit to you, the viewer. Yeah. Yes. I'm very excited about it. We'd have to, we'd have to bake in some kind of, uh, I mean, it is better. It's shows are better when you're in person. But I feel like you and I have done so many remote shows at this point that there's there's like I I don't feel like we talk over each other at all the way that like happens on other products w- with people who have less time together. You know, I don't know. I think it'd be good. Let shout us out in the YouTube comments. Uh, I'm you already trying to shut this idea down. <laughs> no, I don't think there's any reason. I don't think there's anything we get out of it. There wouldn't be any creatures in the background of the camera uh, doing obnoxious things. We would tank in viewership room. without my cats. You want to see what they're up to? Uh, yeah, but then people wouldn't get timed out in the Twitch chat so frequently. Well, time to time some people out. Let's see what they're up to down there. Oh, the chair's in the way. That's great. Love it. Wait, when are you, when in January are you moving? Um, this January, is why everybody listens to this podcast, by the way. January 1st is our move day, but our lease isn't up till January 10th. So, like, we'll probably move slowly over that week. Gotcha. Well... Anyway, I'm excited about that. That is good news. Uh, I love watching the timeouts come rolling in. All right. Should we talk about League of Legends stuff? I guess. Uh, do you want to explain how the show goes? How this works? Yeah. The, the way this show works is it's a live call-in show. Um, so we will go ahead and take your calls. It should be a decent night to get on, everybody. Um it's been a banger of a week, but for some reason, you know, I, I feel like it'd be a good week to try and get on. I'm spamming the Twitch chat with the Discord link. Go ahead and join up. Once you get there, you're going to want to join Pleb Calls or Pleb Calls 2 voice channels. Uh, mute once you get in there so no one can hear your mom in the background cooking. Then in the Pleb Topics text channel, you're going to go ahead and put what your take is. Normally, we prefer to go for takes, um, but I think, like Travis was saying, this is a week that we'd be more willing to take just questions about um, the league scene as a whole, about, you know, what what things might be like, whether it's the, do we think NA pros work enough or, you know, whatever, what's it like to be an interviewer, anything like that. I think we'll take, um, assuming we pull you, you'll be moved into the waiting room where you will hang out until it's your turn to come on. We'll do a quick audio check first, and then you'll be on air talking with us. Oh, I already see some, some conversation in the chat that are, remember, I was trying to remember the repeat things, callers who say things like, there should be geolocation for teams. Uh, we've had that call maybe 10 times over the course of the show already. Or LCS should move to Chicago uh, is also a painful one. So that stuff, like, I get that not everybody watches every episode, but there are some things that just, like, we I think we're tired of talking about them, and so it's, it's not yeah. to call in with those. 
Yeah, for sure. And, uh, oh, go ahead. My solely unrelated. You finish your thoughts. I was going to say, if you are, by the way, a sub, uh, be sure to sync your sub stuff with the Discord so that you can put your take in the subtopic chat. And again, we have a little bit less viewers than normal, so uh, if you want to get on the show, this is a good week to do it because, um, yeah, good good chance of, of coming on. Because this week sucked. No, no, this is a good episode. Everyone, <laughs> here's what here's what I told Mark about this earlier. Okay, listen, if you're listening and you're like, I, maybe I should turn this off, listen. I told Mark earlier that some of our, our best episodes have been the one, like I think people like the Mahmood call. That was, I think, when it was just you and me and we felt like we didn't have anything good to talk about that week. Oftentimes, these open phone line calls uh, episodes are great. So I have high hopes for this episode, Mark, and I don't want you bringing it down. Uh, yeah, so I started playing Hades this week. That was the other thing. Uh, I saw Smoke Dog talk about it. I enjoy the game. I'm having a lot of fun with it, but... There, there's a lot of hype given to the narrative to it, and I, I just beat it the first time, and I know that it's not, it's like a game that you're supposed to keep getting, keep getting the narrative. Um, but is there like, you know, I try to do like a little reading into like, so what am I, what am I playing for? And it sounds like there's a, you know, a bunch of little narratives that all spin out with each character on their own. You pr progress them at their own rate. But is, is the Hades narrative really that great? Can you go grab our first caller? Off he goes. Fine. Thank you to some of the subs. Uh, I mean, all the subs, but the ones that have subbed since the start of the show, which are uh, Maury Wake, Safix, I am Justin T, NA Alistar, uh, Casey Arama, Kelly Mills, Soundwave Surfer, almost one year, Tom Shu for 25 months, Community Streams, Jay Schrode, Raging Pianist for 18 months, Dawes Does Gaming, PJ Salt, EZG. Thanks, everybody, to all of our subs. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, yes. Hello, Enigma. Where are you calling from? I'm sorry. Oh, I need to mute the uh, You are very quiet. Let me turn you up. Go ahead again. Yeah, I'm, uh, Mark, are you able to hear him? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to not be too loud because it's uh, four in the morning. I'm calling from Surrey in the UK. Uh, Could you not hear him say he's calling from Surrey in the UK? It's four o'clock in the morning, so he's trying to be quiet. Uh, no, I could not hear that. I have him at 200%, so... Um, I'm surprised you can hear him. Uh, maybe because I'm using those other legacy sound systems. Um, okay, how are we going to do this? Enigma, why don't you give your take and then Mark can just explain it. Okay, so um, my idea was um, that with um, the lack of changes to the dragons and how strong mythic items are on one item spikes, games are going to feel even more than this year, just like over a lot earlier, which could make viewing LCS a lot more boring. Because... Um, Oh, I was going to say, you can keep going. I'll, I'll keep relaying once you're done. So, uh, why, why don't you give what he said so far, Mark? So that uh, Okay. Because there's just uh, a bunch of dead air for most people. <laughs> so what he said was, with the changes to uh, Dragon and Mythic items being so strong that the potential for Snowball in the game is going to be higher next season. Gotcha. Uh, any Anything else, Enigma? Um, well, with... Um... So with a lot of that, like I've, I've played um, in amateur university league as well, and uh, a lot of games just feel over really early, which um, sort of can make it a lot like you're just kind of sat there waiting for the other team to end, and um, it makes comebacks feel a lot more difficult, especially with everyone just picking uh, the game champs. And um, a lot of LCS I thought felt like that this year, and like I kind of just zoned out halfway through a lot of games because it was like, oh, this is done. When's it over? Yeah. 
Um, so I think I've, I've heard, this is one of those ones I think I've heard a bunch of times, just about the snowball potential in the game going up, damage is too high, these kinds of things. And I feel like they're most prevalent in the, in the preseason. Um, about... that what, is that what he said? Uh, we didn't hear the second part, so I don't know if you were going to reiterate that as well. Yeah, he, he said basically that he plays on an amateur or a, a collegiate level team effectively. And, you know, a lot of the games feel doomed pretty quickly. Um, and I was just saying that that's something that I think is a feeling that's shared most often uh, in the preseason. And Riot is usually pretty good about trying to address that if it's still an issue. Um, as they slowly balance the game more and more, ideally that kind of goes away. But even if, you know, I think there's a point to be made that if you reach your first item and your first item is monstrous and I get my first item, you know, two minutes before you because I'm winning the game, I will snowball the game even harder, especially with objective control and stuff like that. But there are other levers that they can tune even without just nerfing those first items. Um, rubber banding mechanics is most often the one that you see as well as making the big objectives a little bit harder to take. Um, so if people are snowballing really hard, uh, you can make barons a little bit more difficult to take and in, in these kinds of things to try to slow the snowball down. Maybe mythic items totally break that model uh, where they're able to do some things with neutral objectives to slow the, the pace of the game back down. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think mythic items are gonna totally break the game, even if it feels like booty right now and for the next maybe month before things start really getting ironed out yeah can you uh for, by the way enigma i did hear that you're from the uk so thank you uh for calling from the uk it's very nice of you to stay up so late uh but mark can you explain a little bit i'm kind of curious what people's general because sometimes it's hard for me to sort from the general complaints like reddit will change any or will complain about anything right like you can yeah. you could lightly change the color of the river in Summoner's Rift and there'd be a thread talking about how terrible it is and the visibility in this game is a joke and I can't believe that they're dedicating research, whatever. So so what, you know, among the people who actually think about the stuff and can sort, like, stuff, what has the general reaction been to all the changes that the game has gone through? I mean, I think a lot of the more reasonable people or less reactionary people um, don't want to put their opinion out publicly yet. I think that they're probably in alignment with a lot of what the general fan base is saying in terms of some of these concerns and the, you know, the preseason is a bit of a mess with like win rates and what's good and what, what's not and stuff. Um, but they're giving Riot the time to iron those things out. Um, you know, I, I was gonna say I I play I coached in a meta once where they released Targon's Brace for the first time and it was so fucking busted. We played we were playing like this online tournament qualifier thing and and uh, we bought four Targons five Targons actually and our jungler would go between top and mid lane using Targon stacks because it was so busted. <laughs> so like you, you know and Targon got fixed eventually. You know the meta did not become junglers doing first clear and then hovering in lanes for Targon stacks. Um, but, you know, the game tends to break like that when they do these kinds of changes. Um, and I think you'll see over time that get fixed. Yeah, my point was more um, that it's not that one specific one is broken. It's that the general power of these items is quite high, which is kind of the point. But I've played games where, like, I was playing... I mean, Shen's broken. I was playing a game of Shen. And I just got to Sunfire Kate before the other tank. <laughs> I was just farm I was just playing I was just farming the lane better than them. And then I just sort of killed them three times in a row. And I feel like like that's gonna make jungling, like which which lights um, lane you have strong side and weak side, 
uh, the other person just cries, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's intentional from right with the mythics, and I think that's good design. But I'm just concerned: is that gonna um, make certain like could it make viewership slightly more boring because um, well, the games can become over? Yeah, I'm hoping some of its learning curve as well. Like, if one item power spikes are significantly stronger now people might not be adjusted to it yet. Like picking up Sunfire now versus picking up Sunfire first item previously, you know, it's it's not it's it's a difference in what a mythic item can provide and people might not realize, I can't fuck with him until I get my own mythic item. Um, and I think that could be one of the areas that people will adjust to over time. Um, and especially in pro play, people are better about respecting power spikes than solo queue where people just kind of keep running it down. Uh, anyway, uh, sorry, Enigma. Uh, it seems like we're having a hard time. Other people are also, I guess, having a hard time hearing you. So, not sure what has, is happening. But I do really appreciate you um, calling in. Is there anything you want to shout out uh, before uh, we move on? Well, I guess my university esports, which Warwick esports, uh, sadly our top team didn't go and win Newell and NSE Muppets. But oh, well, that's it. Very good. Well, thank you so much for the call. I shout. He shouted out his university team for those that couldn't hear him. Anyway, uh, thanks so much, Enigma, and we will catch you uh, next time. Yeah, cheers, Rose. Yeah, Mark is messaging me on Skype right now asking me a question, and because I have a new set setup, I haven't turned off the, the I Skype thought I heard it in the background. Noises, so, <laughs> um, whoop, whoop. Yes. My bad. It's okay. No, it's my fault. I should have fixed that before. We're, right, we're sorting through point. things on the show right now. It's going to be a great show, everybody. Just know that, like, we're Don't, just... Uh, it's the best show we've had in months. Mark, speaking of Mark, do you want to tweet uh, about the show since uh, you, have, you haven't done that yet? Oh, he, he left. Anyway. Okay, I think we're turning off sound. Okay. Uh, I think we're turning off sound, so hopefully it doesn't happen now. Um, thank you to Insulin Shots for the uh, 22 months in the Prime. Uh, Cheney Core gifted a sub. Thank you very much for the gifted sub. Anyway, uh, hopefully everything is sorted. We're sorry to the last caller about that. Uh, this caller, I, I wish we wouldn't have to hear as much. Uh, Raz, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Los Angeles, California. Okay, well, we can hear you, unfortunately. Um, what do you want to talk about wow. on the show? Well, there has been, you know, drama that's been bubbling up for the entire season, I think, actually, for the full year. And you've done a great job at sweeping it under the rug. Um, the first one, which is very obvious, is the constant war that's being waged, and that's, the, you know, the C word. The, yeah, the, the, anyway, the, sorry, what's the second thing? The second thing is the fact that you took my mod ship away and you refused to give it back! <laughs> we we decided to take this as the second call, Mark. We couldn't, we couldn't take He's, this. There's, there's a call. I have been a great mod to many and to you. But this injustice has gone on for too long, Travis. Why uh, why did you lose it in the first place? I was just being a contributor to the chat. You know? I was watching along with everyone else. A people's man, one might say. And uh, I, I, I made a few comments that were critical of you. And you're, you're you know... What did you say? Your comments. I have no idea what I said. I literally don't know. You probably have it Actually, all. Actually, hang on. Can you, type, chat can you chat? Type in the chat so that I can see. The problem is you have so many. 
you talk so frequently in the chat that like I'm not. It's gonna. I'm gonna have to scroll for a while. But all right, all right. What is your right, What right. is your Twitch handle? Is it Razzleplasm? It is Razzleplasm. Okay. Let me get on there. Uh, let me see if I can find this. I got out of there because I didn't want to be what listening to myself while I'm on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm scrolling up. It, it, this was a while ago. I feel like it was six months ago or something like that. It was a long time. This is this is how good you are being able to just sweep it under the rug. All right. There's I'm, I'm I'm there's so so much the of the content in this chat log is just you screaming expletives or all cap things like haha fuck and lol and lmfao like <laughs> so oh i also consistently shit talk your your um the people that you bring on in the show you know <laughs> if they have if they have a bad take That's i'm true. letting the entire chat know so that <laughs> happens that. too uh and and i always ask the twitch chat to be nice and so whenever somebody with a sword is hard flaming okay so you got i found that you got timed out on and on july Six. So I'm trying to go to forget. that point. I definitely said a lot of. Oh, I said the c word. Okay, yeah, lot. you spammed uh, c for k, c for k. I'm not going to say the full expletive. Of course. Of um, course. But <laughs> you spammed that twice. Um, in I, a row. I spam it nearly every time. And I don't think that uh, uh, that is mod behavior for this this show. And I then, mean. And then I timed you out for. Um, 600 seconds and then when you came back you immediately said wow and then you said the word but with spaces in between and you <laughs> said Travis has unmodded me hashtag justice for Raz hashtag justice for Raz um, and, that all sounds uh, good to me so it makes me worry I'm, that you I'm, did not learn and the, you did not reflect on your your time you know there look, was no penance that was paid you are lacking crucial perspective I am out here on the ground Working with the people, a grassroots movement for K and for, uh, you know, Raz, myself. I'm a people of himself. <laughs> you just have to understand this, Travis. You can't just be up there in your sky-high apartment. Your ivory tower. Mm-hmm. Just, just like looking down on the community. You have to be able to understand what the people want. Here's the thing. It's, it's like... You know, he's a maverick, and sometimes he's going to go against the grain and against you, but he'll also be for you. And those times where he is for you, it carries extra weight for the times that he was against you. Yeah, here's my exactly. problem. I was actually, because I just wanted this call, which I don't think is necessarily contributing to the content of the show, and perhaps actively <laughs> actively attributing to viewer attrition, both in the live forum and in the podcast <laughs> and YouTube, and lowering my, like, Twitch, and or sorry, my, like, watch hours and watch minutes on my platforms. I was thinking I would just mod him so that I could quickly resolve this issue and just move on. Uh, but after reviewing the logs and hearing the way that he is arguing his case, which seems to be like as, Good if, case. as, if, what, as if what he did was not an issue, there's no apology in this. He's just like, I didn't deserve it. Uh, give me a mod, which is like just not. In is this, this not? This is stronger than the current acting president of the United States. Compare my case to the billions of cases he's levied towards this current election. Yeah, well, all right. If if that's your uh, if that's your argument, you can get. Rudy how about Giuliani how about this? COVID how about this? I'll I'll swing for, for Raz. His his interactions in our Twitch chat has skyrocketed since he's gotten on the call. Nonstop spam since Raz has joined the call. How about that? I I think uh, I think he went from this this call, which is useless, doesn't really contribute much to the content of the show, to now bringing up political opinions, which will also turn off. 
According to the most recent election, <laughs> approximately 48% of our viewer base, if uh, we reflect the general demographics of, the, of America, yeah. um, then, uh, you know, it's just like this is Mark is just hard tanking the show right now. And now he's pulled Raz. All right, I'll go get the other person who Raz will be able uh, to help help with. In our team. Okay, very good. True. So Raz is going to stay I here. I can do I my time now. Yeah, I can do my time. Uh, I don't know how good. Purple, purple Ray Q, thank you for the sub. Uh, Cheney Core, thank you for... Oh, Cheney Core, I got you before. Uh, Nolan Io, thank you for the four months. And then Stealth, thank you for the four as well. Uh, community is here. Community, where are you calling from? Um, I'm calling from San Bernardino County, California. San Bernardino. It's a beautiful place. Uh, I've spent... driven through it many times on my way to Vegas. Yeah, I spent two. Most people don't know this, and I'll, I'll admit it here. It's a secret about me, but I spent two years of my life in Victorville, California, so very familiar with the high desert. Um, anyway, community, what do you want to talk about on the show? Um, so what I want to talk about is the recent comments and interview that Perks made about coaches and how he thinks that a lot of them are just quote stealing a paycheck. Um, and and how he thinks that only the only ex-pros can, for the most part, be good coaches, and how I think that that's a really bad mindset as a pro player to have, and it's one of the many things preventing the West from ever actually performing consistently well internationally. So I did not see this uh, this interview. Was this on Reddit recently? Uh, um, I saw it on, on Twitter. It was, in the, it was a Spanish interview, I think, and then I saw some YouTube videos pick it up. It was um he did I think it was a Croatian interview actually that's yeah, just been translated around. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm a little nervous it, about translated content, especially. I mean, there the was a but... there was a a lot of things covered in that about you know was he given the opportunity to go to Fnatic and all these things and I think I tried to look for the people who were skeptical about the interview and they were saying like maybe he was a little bit of tongue in cheek but at least the interview like the translation seems to be good like maybe the tone wasn't quite carried as well sure. but it's it okay so like let's it just take it on its on its like we'll we'll put a benefit of the doubt on wanna, whether or not i want to start off with this one by saying because i read that interview or at least like what was put on reddit as well and i understood it i'm just cr coming off from memory since it does seem like the thread has been taken down um first of all is that the case has, has it been taken down Am I just crazy? Uh, I don't know. It was it was um, like two days, a couple days ago. So I, I don't yeah. know where it is. So my understanding, because uh, having read the interview, is that he was referring to like in the past that this was the, uh, certainly the case that like um, that there were a lot of coaches uh, stealing interviews. And he was talking about his current coach as a positive. He said stealing, that stealing paychecks. You mean? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, stealing interviews, uh, stealing paychecks. <laughs> um, so like I felt like that was more of a statement of the past rather than the present, and did reference the more ex-professionals like ex-pros coming into the scene and kind of comparing it to like um traditional sports being a positive because like of course like professional ex-pros definitely have like the experience and like can convey that and have the game knowledge um so i, I didn't necessarily see it as like an indictment on current coaches um so, but i would have to look back at it just to read it, it the the whole paycheck sealer thing was definitely a little bit more targeted towards the past um but I do think it's an interesting conversation to have about, you know, player coaches versus other people who come up in the scene or, or what have you. It does. It, so it was removed um, because reposts are not. Your post has been removed because reposts are not allowed, as well as topics that have already been covered. 
Uh, when was it ever? Okay, never and mind. It was no also removed because vague, contextless, mimetic, or inaccurate titles are not allowed. So I don't know why that that went there, but I'll link the thread in the um, in the Twitch chat. I think I'm uh, Reddit mods. Don't put me into Reddit jail if uh, I'm not allowed to link deleted You're going threads. To but I assume if it's a deleted True. thread, it's safe to to share. So I just know I'm doing this not out of malice, but just out of. I'm scared. Okay. Anyway, I linked it in the Twitch chat. Um, so interesting. Um, was this because the, the 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 title of it was based off of the the title for this was "Why didn't you go to Fanatic?" Because they didn't let me. Perks interview on a Croatian podcast. So maybe they did share this in another thread as well. But this is like one that got close to ten thousand upvotes on on the subreddit. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, well, it looks like it's like a video, and also because it's removed, I can't click to the source. So I apologize to everybody for the situation. It's weird but... that it's being seen as a video just because it was a full transcript or like a, a from the yeah, it was made the thread before. So this might not be the thread, or it was deleted, so you can't see it anymore. Whatever. Okay, sorry. Let's just move on and go with the take <laughs> of our coaches a paycheck stealers. Whether or not that was entirely what Perks meant or not, let's just go with that topic. Um, especially if they are non-pros. So, Raz, you're very obviously biased because you are a coach. uh, Well, currently not in an official coaching role, I guess, but uh, you have, for the past year, been a coach for a team, and you are not at a previous pro. So, I guess, what is your your take on all this? How much much money did you steal? How many paychecks? Uh, Quite a a bit, mostly as well. Um, I mean, like... From the teams that I, uh, uh, you know, in North America that I know, like, no, I don't think that, well, what the hell am I hearing right now? Is it an earthquake? Um, okay, we're back. I think community um, was, was... Yeah, uh, I know. That was, that was what I was referring community to. Community, if you can... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, no, the answer is no. Um, I think from all the coaches that I've known, like, they do provide quite a bit to the team. It's more of a question of, like, what do they provide? And it's also a question of, like, if... Because, um, obviously, like, I don't know... I think this is the, the most dangerous topic because we actually just have no idea what the fuck happens behind closed doors and how much, like, do they actually provide to their team? Are they more, like, what, co- uh, you know, they were referring, uh, what Perks was referring to his current coach, which was, like, strong and anal- analytically, but bad managing players is what they said. Uh, but, but, like, that's something that really depends coach to coach. Like, what are they offering to their team? Um, so... The idea of stealing paycheck, I hate that conversation because like players will never fucking say about their current coaches or previous coaches. And then the uh, community will definitely hop onto this train where it's like, they actually have no idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, so where are we going? Um, it, it just feels like it's, it's just the weirdest question of all time. Unless if there's for sure evidence uh, based off of like interviews or how the person carries or like previous teams. I mean, we've yeah, heard... I, I would say, like, Mark, you and I have heard a lot over the past, like, seven years of a coach just not contributing much to a team or not being functionally helpful or whatever. And I feel like a lot of the times we have to – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, we like when we're voting for coach of the split, you kind of have to do a little bit of reconnaissance on what are the players actually saying about the coach behind the scenes, right? Yeah, I think um, some people just straight up don't vote. I still vote, and I, I, my reasoning being, yeah, I don't know anything about any of the coaches, and so I'm going to do. It's not like anyone has an uh, unfair advantage in this category, and I'd rather have this award go out than not. 
And I think everyone yeah. understands that it's like, yeah, it's not like it's a fucking analytically driven award where we sat down and tested the coaches. It's, it's a fun award, and I'd rather have a fun award than not. So that's my perspective whenever I vote for it. Um, you know, I don't think it does any harm. So I'm, I'm going to vote for who I think sounds like the yeah. job. And a lot I of times like, it's, it's narratively yeah. driven too. You know, like Jack got it because he took ninth place TL. And, you know, like obviously Jack's probably not – I don't know if Jack's the best coach in the league all of a sudden in his first split coaching. But he had a strong story behind him. Yeah, so it was changed to coaching staff this year too. Instead of that as well. Yeah. I mean, like here's the thing. I love the idea of awards just because it is more of a celebration. And right. it's not a negative aspect. And anyone that makes it turns it negative. Like, that's just the community. We don't want to talk about that necessarily. Uh, I just think that, like, the fact that it changed to coaching staff, I think is a positive. But it's always going to be a question on, um, like, what are we valuing? Like, in this case, TL was probably the easiest one because of the, the positional change that they had, right? But next year, if there isn't going to be a huge change with so many new rosters, like, how do you make that decision? Um, and the way I view it is that, like, the team that can communicate that the best, um, like, with more content, let's just say for whatever reason, a random example, 100 Thieves comes out and just has an entire fucking content show of just, like, their coaching staffs. Suddenly, that would boost their, uh, you know, uh, branding on right. specifically that aspect of it versus a team that doesn't say a damn thing about it. So, like, that's what I'm, as you already said about narrative, that's what makes it hard because we have no idea. Well, that and, um, like... So, for instance, I think a narrow is deserves some acclaim. I mean, let's stop talking about the award specifically. Like, okay, okay. I, I think a narrow, for instance, is a good person to deserve acclaim because people consistently rate, especially this past year, their rosters as being like a tenth place team or whatever. Like, let's say this roster that everybody's like, well, we don't know what Golden Guardians is doing. If they make playoffs. And in whatever that replaces the spring split finals or whatever, then yeah. then I think people should say like, oh, this team did well, and like that's probably a credit to their coaching staff that they were able to take uh, rookies that a lot of people didn't particularly have a ton of faith in and like perform, you know. Um, so I agree with that. Like I here's the thing, because obviously there's going to be the, just so everybody knows, like I coach with Golden Guardians Academy, so there's a bias tended to that. Yeah. Um, I've always, I felt the same thing, but that's not really an advocacy for the award, right? That goes against it, because every like most of the time, the team, if not all the time, that gets the award is a first or second place team. Um, the, the success is what people recognize rather than the improvement of the players, yeah. which I would... But I was moving type, away from the, uh, yeah. the award, right? Like, because we're just talking oh, yeah, in general yeah, yeah. about like, like perception. I, of a I think coach. a narrow stands as a response to whatever this weirdly potentially translated uh, interview was with Perks. Is like, like I think he has a pretty good track record, and he's even like gone outside and of the the role that he has with the team to build stuff to try, like tools and assets to try to improve North America as a whole, like. That type of stuff, I think, indicates that coaches can provide value even if they're not a pro player. I also think it, it depends a lot on what the players are looking for out of it, right? Like somebody who's going to do draft. Like I can understand how a pro player would be like, I don't want this guy who does not understand high-level League of Legends yep. or has whatever to be the sole decision-maker in our draft, which is potentially how some teams – if not now in the past have operated versus, you know, it's just, or is this person here to help mediate a discussion between us? And like Bjerg is actually the coach, you know, um, which is like a, a thing that a lot of people talked about this year. So 
Um, I I just it's like such a broad topic that making that blind statement um, is I think a tough one to to hear. And I know other- LEC players have a very different opinion on coaching than LCS does, as we discussed in our like live episode of Hotline League at Rift Rivals last year with EU coaches and Peter and different people. Yeah, and uh, one thing that I, I just want to add this because I don't want to seem as though like Perks is just saying this. Um, thought what he what I've read, I thought it was like understandable. I thought it was also just a positive take on the fact that more you know ex pros are moving towards coaching. Like I love the fact that Golden Glue, uh, Bjergsen, Galen, people will not know for CLG. Moon, uh, I forgot what, Moon, yeah. Um, moved into a coaching position, and although it might turn a little, be a little rough on the first split because the experience is necessary. Like they command a lot of respect, and they come in with a lot of like inbuilt knowledge from playing previously. Um, Matt is another one, exactly. Umpire Matt coming in as an academy coach as well is is really good. Um, so I think I took it as more of a positive, um, and also I didn't think he was calling it, you know current coaches check stealers so that was that um uh, or at least the ones that he knew about so that's what i took away from it the two takes i throw in there um along with a lot of what we said was that in the past and even to this day i think um there is less of a rigid system for testing coaches than there are um pro players like there's no ladder for coaches right that's just there should be Uh, yeah but i mean like what would that even i love it somebody should make it (laughs) Uh, so oh there's no like, God. well, we got a challenger coach. It should have worked out, and it didn't. Yeah. It's like, well, this is some guy that I did an interview with and looked at his resume. Like, I hired bad coaches during my time when I was uh, in with Team Liquid and, and often hiring people. Like, I, I misfired plenty of times, Who? and I think I found some okay ones. Um, but, like, that's just going to happen, I think, more drastically than with players due to that um, situation. Uh, and so I think in the past, there's probably been a larger – especially when the coaching boom started to happen around season four and five, where everyone's like, well, we all need coaches now, right? It's officially made this position. There's probably a lot of people who got opportunities that were not, you know, qualified. Some and people so, are, have been coaches only for the cameras. I mean, especially in the early days. Yeah, I got weeded out because I was a trash tier coach. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say, which is to the caller's point about it not being a good mindset about ex-coaches only, I somewhat ag- agree. I think, you know to what the point I just said is why I think a lot of people prefer ex players being coaches. Cause at least they have this basis that Raz was talking about um, where you at least know they have this experience of being a pro player and going through the grind and understanding it. Um, but I think there's plenty of value to be brought from non-traditional uh, or like not pro ex pro player coaches, which is why the, 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 the perks interview was, was a little weird. And this is why I wonder if there's a translation there about how like, it's moving to be more like traditional sports by having more ex-pro players, whereas I feel like a lot of traditional sports where there are pro players who are coaches, a lot of the best ones were like collegiate level, you know, like they almost never were, were like goats. Whereas like, yeah. you know, a lot, of, a lot of the goat players who become coaches don't work out that well. Yeah, that's actually fair. Yeah. So what do you think of all this community? Um. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I think that's fair. That it very well could have been a translation error, and um, also hearing how kind of you're you're explaining Perk's mindset on that. I'm more. I'm less like not angry, but like I'm less like irritated towards the comments than I was when I first read them. I didn't really think them fully. I think at first, and so I uh, thanks. Yeah, of course. 
Thanks so much, community. Is there uh, anything you want to shout out or say before we go on to the next caller? Um, yeah, as a 100 Thieves fan, I want to thank Golden Guardians for being our academy team for the 2020 season. And we're going to take your academy players and make them into a, a team that's going to make worlds for the 2021 season. Raz, any thoughts on that? Wait a minute. Is he saying thanks to 100 Thieves because they took our team? Wait no, a he's minute. Th he's thanking Golden Guardians for oh. developing 100 Thieves oh. Tom. Oh, of course. Of course. Anytime. <laughs> Thanks so much. I community. appreciate you. Work. Yeah. Thank you. See ya. Wait, Mark. What? We got hard flamed again for being hundred T haters. Wait, what did we say? No, no, no. But uh, this happened, I think, after the last episode. Um, there was. What did uh, we say? <laughs> yeah, people said that we. Oh, because we we were talking about the Golden Guardian stuff, and because we said that we disagreed with Nate Shot's stuff. Um, about how everyone wants you to succeed every year that we are 100 Thieves haters. And I was getting downvoted in a Reddit thread for, for I know that people don't go to Reddit feel like this is petty, um, but like people legitimately we're think shallow. we hate 100 T, which is just not true. I don't hate 100 T. No. Do you hate 100 T? No, I don't hate 100 T. I only hate Nate Shot. Duh. Duh. I love Papa. I'm waiting for the next thread now. <laughs> It's so weird. People uh, legit out there think this, and then like enough people did that. I was it, people were just like, "Are you kidding me? That you, you think you don't?" <laughs> I'm like, "I know I don't hate them." It was so weird. People can go look at my Reddit history I love if they how want Papa to. Papa goes from this. giving me a heart to giving me an angry face. <laughs> I will uh, say this: I really appreciate because they have uh, Drake as a co-owner, who's my favorite, uh, you know, Toronto Raptors, you know, super fan and all that. Um, that they have the OVO uh, decal. People will not know that, but that's like the the dark golden uh, black. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what that means, but that's. Cool. <laughs> I was just going to return to us being hundred. I was going to gla glaze right over that <laughs> and say, I mean, I think you know we're definitely not like hundred thieves stands, and we don't like hype them up a, a ton. But I'd say like I don't know how you could hear me talk about Immortals, Dignitas, and CLG and think that somehow hundred thieves is the team that I, I I take issue with the most. Or I mean, in their first year, we gave them an incredible ton of praise for being like the best of all the new franchise teams. Well, and like we, uh, you know, I, I feel like we talk with Papa. We give him a lot of credit for their hundred thieves program, Kelsey, yeah. and stuff. Like it's just not like a monolith. Like we'll praise the parts we think deserve praise, and yes. and discuss Wait, the man. parts we don't. What were the other teams you named that you you also like down talk? Uh, I didn't put Golden Guardians in there, but I probably sh sh should have. <laughs> not okay, but no, I'm not like, you said IMT and who else? I said IMT, Dig, and CLG were the three from last year. Oh, I think I, they I don't remember. have fans. They have nobody. <laughs> but I, <laughs> who would be mad? I mean, it's punching down for sure. But I also, yeah. I mean, we talk shit about um, we talk shit about Golden Guardians a little bit. I mean, okay. they have some fans. A hundred thieves, as you can see, the fans Wait, are back. Oh my goodness! You somehow linked Golden Guardians into it. You, I was talking about the other teams today. I'm saying that there's some. You guys got some fans, and I, I've sh yeah. I should talk Golden Guardians a bunch. Okay, okay, and yeah, and you heard the fury. Is Raz just I, hanging out? By I the way, I tucked my tails between my legs and I ran. Are we? Are we did we pull Raz as a caller, and now he's just here on the. I don't team. know. He can leave whenever he wants. <laughs> All right, get me out of here. <laughs> I mean, you could stay. You could stay. I don't. I don't mind you staying here. It's quite nice. I'm I down just, to uh, chill. I'm down to chill. Okay, I literally great. don't have a plan, so it's fine. Great. Uh, Mark, you want to go grab our next caller? 
Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you, by the way, to some of our more recent subs. Uh, Jordan, LOL. Dark Alley HT, who says Victorville blows. Great. Uh, Jamie92. Uh, Thingak, Game or Girlfriend, and Mark Lag Larg. Thank you for the Prime. Any other Prime gamers out there? It's always appreciated. Uh, Blue J. Ooh, somebody gifted five subs. That is that deserves more attention than Blue J does. Omega Diamond Sync. Thank you for the Prime. <laughs> thank you. Uh, nice. It's Gilchrist for the five gifted subs. Um, Blue J, welcome to the show. Where are you calling from? Uh, Ontario, Canada. And what do you wait? Raz is also Canadian. Do you guys have some sort of like? Are you guys pals? We I'm are cousins. Cool. Yes, exactly. Great. You guys go out and tame moose together? Yeah. Yep. He uh, built his igloo right next to mine. We've been growing up since we were kids, you know? Nice. A thousand percent. Well, yep. what, do you, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, so my take is that the TSM offseason, uh, from a management side of things, seemed abysmal. And TSM fans should expect better from TSM. The Sword Art deal took way too long to finalize, and it really cost them. I mean, the Sword Art deal... Do you, oh, do you want to expand on any of this before I dive in? Yeah, I can. Um, so I, I need to like be adamant that like I'm saying seemed abysmal, uh, just because like I have to admit, obviously I don't know everything that goes on within TSM and stuff like that. Just from the outside looking in, it really looked like a really rough off season for TSM. Um, uh, the, the main thing, let's just talk about the sorter thing. The main thing is that like I think that because that deal took so long to solidify. It probably hurt them from having other options once it fell through the first time, that deal. And it probably it cost them a lot more to obtain him once Sword Art realized that they had no more options, if that makes sense. Do you get what I'm saying with that or no? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything else that you... Uh, yeah, there's a, a few other things, but I mean, let's, let's, I think probably one the thing. The sword art thing is the main right? thing you find disappointing. Yeah, well, there's also the double lift thing. Like, I mean, I understand double lift hadn't really made up his mind, but if you're TSM, you need to make sure that you know who your AD carry is going to be moving forward because it hurt them with the EG stuff, you know? And like I said, I can go down a whole rabbit hole here. So, but yeah, let's just start with the sword art thing. I mean, the reason why it's tough for me on the sword art stuff is because it, I mean, everything that we had heard made it sound as though there was complicated factors there. Like it wasn't as easy as like the the perks and Alfari thing, and so it's really difficult for me to fault them. I mean, Aries, I will fault them uh, because people think I don't ever criticize TSM. I think they did not do a great job of uh, managing fans' expectations. Like it, there was this kind of weird back and forth on you know Andy tweeting out stuff and saying that he was really excited about things and coming on the show this show even and teasing stuff and then like you hear stuff is falling apart and then like Peter it, it just like it was it was tough and I think they were excited I my guess would be TSM was excited at the idea of getting sword art and building this like super team and they got over and then things started to get kind of wonky and you end up with losses your ADC and your star AD retires and people weren't expecting Hooney. I think like there was probably a lesson there on how to manage this stuff from I don't know a fan communication perspective uh, and I think that's an issue. It's hard for me without knowing the details on what their problems were with Sword Art to know if it's fair to fault them on that. I mean 
they it's not like they're they they finalized their roster pretty quickly after the offseason, right? I mean, I think they were able to announce that within basically one week of the the um open tri- signing period beginning. So it's not like this is like late December or early January and they're figuring out what their support is going to be. Um, it just feels that way because we now have like a media culture that I participate in where you like as things before anyone has signed any paperwork, people are essentially getting an idea on who's going to be on teams. So that I have a tough time with. I'm surprised you don't have you don't fault them more for like. I think a lot of people do think that that team is pretty wonky, especially compared to C9 yeah. and TL. You know, like that's a that's a place where I am surprised more people aren't being more critical of them. So, yeah, I do like I have more of that as well. Like I'm surprised that they went after Hooney instead of like Licorice, for example. Like I don't know if they were in, I I figured they would be interested in Licorice. I thought that you would be able to outbid FlyQuest for Licorice as being TSM, but that didn't happen i'm not sure if that's because they weren't that interested or what but that's another area that i think they're definitely at fault what is uh, my head looking like travis okay you can continue on but what is this oh it's the snapchat filter you i didn't have a i didn't have a video Uh, you know i don't i don't think it's time to disrupt the show to try to get you on video wise but (laughs) i need a image anyway sorry uh, uh, I was gonna say I kind of agree with Travis's point. Like, I think it's it's understandable for France to be disappointed in the TSM offseason, whether it's the actual names collected, the way that it happened, which seems to be kind of herky jerky and not like a smooth acquisition. Um, you can also talk about it sounds like whatever we don't know what went down, but some of the drama <laughs> between Peter and and the org and like with the support situation. Like, I, I think there are a number of things that you could be disappointed in, but since we don't know what happened with. Sword Art in particular, like why there was a holdup. Like if it was like, oh, they temporarily got outbid and then like lost his interest somehow or something and they had to get it back or like, you know, it was just a negotiation thing, then maybe you can put that on them for not just wowing him and making him want to sign with them 100%. But if it was anything to do with visas or immigration or U.S. climate with COVID and stuff. Like, if there's it's, if it's any of those concerns, they're pretty outside of. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have a hard time faulting a team. I, I, you know, the succinct way I should have put it is, I'm gonna have a hard time faulting a team for taking one week longer than other teams to sign a player that probably has difficult, like a complicated immigration situation during a pandemic. Um, you know, and is like a star player that perhaps demands a good amount of money. Uh, so I, I think that's a really good point, but the way that I look at it is we were told, or this was the narrative at least, was that it fell through due to taxation reasons. Is that true? Is that fair to say? Like, that's what we heard on Twitter. From, I don't uh, know if it's fair to say because we... Okay. Like, in, I I have not heard enough to feel confident in that. Like, even the people that were talking about this stuff were, like, deleting the tweets that they had made about that topic, right? So um, it's... I okay. I just have a hard time like di- saying this was the problem that they ran into, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. So that's exactly why I worded it seemed abysmal because again, we don't know everything that went on. My my point of view was um, that it fell through due to taxation reasons, and my thoughts are like we're going into season eleven now. If you're making a potential deal with someone you should be able to tell them exactly how much they're going to make going into the next season after taxes and all that stuff. Like this is stuff that like this shouldn't happen in season 11, in my opinion, this is stuff that should happen in season three or four. So if, if that was the case and that's why the deal fell through, that's where I'm a little bit like, "Mm, come on now. I think that we should be prepared for that. But if that's not the case, then, I mean, you have to give benefit of the doubt, right? 
Yeah, I mean, even some of the tax stuff, like, I don't, I'm a fucking idiot, so, uh, you know, if there's, like, some weird tax thing going on between China, Taiwan, and the U.S., because Sword Art is, you know, from the LPL, or from, um, excuse me, Flash Wolves originally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they were Taiwanese, like, I don't know what that situation is at all, and, like, how taxes and, and things like that would work out between those the countries sure but let, let me let's expand to talk a little bit less about the stuff we don't know about and talk instead about the other stuff i i'm actually very curious blue jay what do you think of how everything went down other than sword art because i think what's very funny to me is i saw this this thread on the tsm subreddit which i is a, i quite enjoy that subreddit and it was like last week it you know it was like a meme that's like last week and the person's like oh no we're getting hoonie what the heck and then the next week was like oh please dear god tell me we're at least getting hoonie because it was it's actually maybe they did do a good job of managing the situation because fans i think were ultimately scared when it seemed like everything was going to fall through um that they weren't going to be getting anybody and so then to get hoonie made people start to feel a little bit better um so, so what I, are you asking exactly i guess the question is like what do you think of of their final lineup and do you think fans should be happy or relieved i mean what set aside the sword art part like what do you think of that yeah uh so the lineup seems okay but i think kind of what you said earlier like this is not a tsm lineup like i think that tsm fans should expect a little bit better and i do think that it is really funny that like well, I don't know. If a year ago people would have said TSM signing Hooney, people would have been full of question marks, right? But now that like Hooney is the savior, is really saying something a lot about you know TSM. I think that says a lot. Are okay. are you saying it says a lot about the org or the fans? Who's saying that that Hooney's the savior? Uh, Travis. No, I didn't. I didn't. I'm say not that. saying I, Travis is saying. I mean, I'm saying Travis. Who are you saying is saying the, oh, the same? I'm TSM saying, subreddit I'm or saying something. The the TSM subreddit was like terrified that they might not have a a AD or a support or a top laner um, because it was like we might not have Sword Art Hooney and Peter may retire, and so I think it's very funny now that one week after. You know that I not now, but I think it's very funny that one week after, you know, people were freaking out about Hooney, they were begging for Hooney to end up on the team because they might have not had anybody starting. Yeah, it's a good point, honestly. So I'm trying to figure out what the original take is. So you're saying that you are upset. You think that this is an upsetting uh, off season outside looking in for TSM. I'm, so I'm saying that for a team that is uh, to the caliber of TSM, like this is one of NA's top orgs. I think that the offseason should be should have been a little bit more smoother. But I don't like, I don't think this would ever happen to C9 or TL as I I would say. I don't think uh, I think that things would be a lot more smooth. And and maybe that's easy to say until it actually happens, but uh, yeah, so I don't see this happening to top orgs. My concern here is that you said that we should be giving them the benefit of the doubt because a lot of these things are un like un unknown, like the whole taxation thing. Sure. Like the way I saw it kind of like what we've already kind of to wrap it up from what I've been hearing, which is like, like, yeah, the TSM went for something ambitious, probably one of the more ambitious things, like, uh, probably the most ambitious now that I think about it, because even rookie going to the LPL, even as huge as that was, like, it, it's probably not as big of a competitive shock as to just going straight towards North America in comparison to like, 
Korea to LPL while you still believe like you can be a champion, uh, you know, on a championship winning team uh, internationally. This one is a huge change and it's for a six million dollar deal, um, you know, uh, like for among two years. Right. This is for me. That was insanely ambitious. So for them to even go for something like this, like I don't know how much of a rocky road this is, but this is a big win that they have sword art. Um, to, to me, the reason why they had to spend so much is because their their backups were like like your second option was no longer Ignar because he had been signed. It was now like Zazel or Hakuho or something like that. And I think that's why Sword Art was able to you know get bank. Well, one of the reasons, of course, well, he was the world's finalist, right? I know this is so. I, this is my fear is that like how based in speculation that is because like Sword Art was I was what I would imagine like the original run for TSM like he speaks the language he is a world's finalist uh, support one of the best supports right now in the world like he's somebody that you'd want to go for and I think deserves yeah. to be asking for this kind of money um obviously TSM fans will be having some PTSD because of the previous supports that they've had in Yellowstar and Mithy uh and like but I think that they should be learning lessons for, uh, from like those days and Sword Art is a different person so like I just think that this is for sure a really good pickup for TSM. And I think a lot of the un idea, I don't know about you, but I'm just saying the, a lot of like questioning from the TSM fans come from Lost trying to fill the shoes of Doublelift. And Lost is a really fucking good AD carry. 100%. <laughs> I agree. So the fact that they're able to have Lost, Sword Art, um, I'm just, this is all speculation once again, like on the rest of the roster, because I don't know actually how much has been revealed. Or like have been announced. I mean, I don't know. I don't know shit from where I am right now. But like, they were to have P Poe, Spica, and Huni. Like that's a top three roster, um, or top four, uh, depending on how 100 Thieves go. Uh, I, I, the way I see this is that I think everything is really good from this team, except for like obviously the question mark in the top lane. But if you look at the whole pool of top lanes in the L um, in the LCS for next year. I think it's gotten like significantly weaker or at least like just based off of um how do i put it like um experience obviously a lot of the players coming in like a good example is like you have finn fake god revenge um niles fudge uh a lot of these players that you can say like a few of them fudge is a great example of someone who's like already shown like great strength but he's gonna have like rough times in a premier league for the first few weeks so i think that huni actually should at least for the first few weeks look look really good and this team, I think, should be able to play, I'm talking about TSM, should be able to play, you know, Huni style. The Sword Art was on a team that was actually playing towards their top side of the map. So, like, it feels as though, even from a stylistic approach, um, that they can play towards top. And they have a really strong coaching staff. In fact, that the coaching staff aspect, I think, is really strong. Um, so, I think you're right. Like, I would imagine that getting all of this together would be really difficult because of the, how ambitious getting Sword Art was. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, that's, I, I just thought that at the end product was still good. I would agree with that too, even though like, I, I totally agree that I actually do think they have a good roster, but I think that the way they got there was not a really smooth off season, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay. And also for all the people in the chat saying TSM hater, make up your minds guys. Like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I was a TSM fanboy, and now I'm a TSM hater. Make up your mind welcome. guys. Like... Yeah, welcome. Welcome to being... <laughs> Yeah, a personality you criticize a team that people like and they're gonna say that you hate them unless you just say what everyone wants you to say at any given point in time 
you yeah, are that's biased and chill and have a huge yeah. Yeah, I, every every LCS commentator is biased for and against every LCS org. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you so much, uh, Blue Jay, for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we move on to a quick break? No, just uh, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Okay. See you, dude. Yeah. Goodbye. You. Have a good one. Uh, all right, we're taking a quick break to talk about Alienware. I know, I know, you guys hear me talk about them all the time. Uh, but I just want to say thank you to them uh, as we head into the holidays because I really appreciate uh, so much of what they've been able to do for me this year. Um, we are, I, you know, I try to be transparent with you guys. And so I'll say we're talking to them uh, basically this month about what next year looks like. And I think because of your support for the show and the fact that so many of you guys have, like literally during Black Friday sales, so many of you guys hit me up and we're like, hey, what's the discount code or what URL or whatever is it that I can help buy something and support you because I'm looking at getting a new system. And that I think is very much appreciated because it reflects in these conversations I get to have with them now around what next year looks like. And uh, you know, in a world where nobody was doing that, where nobody was using my code and whatever, it would make those conversations a lot more difficult because they might not know how much people actually care about the fact that they're sponsoring this content. So uh, hey, as, yes. Could I, could I also add something into this ad, advertising? As long as it does not hurt my relationship with my sponsor. Right? Oh, no, no, no. Because I'm not, I'm not, you know, I would, I would understand that. So I just got the XPS 13 probably uh, a few days ago, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, Which is yeah, a Dell a product. For those that don't know, Dell owns Alienware. Yeah. So it's uh, XPS 13 with, uh, it's a two-in-one with, I even got the stylus. And it is fantastic. It's my favorite laptop. Um and I just got it. So like the fact that I was able to do that and usurped my previous laptop, which was my favorite laptop, um, big thumbs up. I definitely, I would definitely refer this laptop to anybody that's wondering how to get, would like which one they would get. Very good. Well, there you go. There's a testament to that stuff. I also, they actually sent me a, a one of those two as well, or they recently sent me the same uh, 13 two-in-one as well. So I, I appreciate it. Now I have something... Uh, even even more portable. So uh, thank you so much to Dell and to Alienware for their support of my stuff. And thank you to Raz for shouting out their uh, fantastic product. And be, if you're interested in getting something, be sure to use Travis 10 off Q4. Uh, that code doesn't always work outside of the US. So just a heads up. And uh, that can save you 10% off. And then also uh, be sure to check out, actually, one thing I can tell you is that if you've been looking for a 3070, I saw today, they just tweeted, they now have systems with 3070s in them. So if you are eyeing a 3070 and you want to uh, to get a system that has that in it, you can now officially do that at alienware.com slash Travis. Fudge is in Travis. the chat. He says, great show, Travis, which I assume means that Fudge wasn't paying attention earlier whenever Raz was talking about him because I feel like he would have reacted to that. What? Because yeah, Raz was like all those new top players coming in are all dumpster trash camp players. What? I gave even... He's gonna oh he's gonna suck for the first couple weeks. I, I mean, you did say you thought top lane has gotten worse because of players I, like Fudge. Unbelievable! All right, you know the truth. He's been watching. Yeah. By the way, I do I do have a thirty ninety in this system now too. I've switched to this new desktop system it has a thirty ninety in it. People in the chat talking about the three thousand series. <laughs> uh, Mark, you want to go grab the next caller? Off he goes. Uh, he's already on it. Yeah. Uh, thank you right to 
it's Gilchrist for the five gifted subs. Omega Diamond Zinc for the 25 months. Lots of people hitting 25 months. I guess last month a lot of people hit 24. Uh, Rocks Th- Thag, thank you for the sub. Uh, Santaro, thank you for the five months. Hello. TMKHS and uh, Jim Short's son. Appreciate it. Mark has returned triumphant with Gorok. Why is your name Gorok? Uh, it's just, uh, I change usernames a lot. Uh, Magical Quaz is probably easier. Okay. Oh, your Magical Quaz from the Twitch chat. Uh, yeah, thank you for pop. being a sub. Um, I'm now I'm worried because I feel like you've been trying to start stuff on this episode. Uh, oh, what, no. Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from Ithaca, New York. Ithaca. Ithaca. I've been to Ithaca. Do you go to Cornell? Yeah, what's poppin'? Nice. I went there one time. I spoke yeah, to I, went, nice. I went to RIT. I drove through Ithaca. A few times. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's not bad. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show, Cora? Magical so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my topic is basically, like, given the pipeline in NA, it's always going to be, like, talent and, like, talent development is always going to be behind other leagues, and therefore, like, North America as a league scene is always going to be behind other leagues. So we're just doomed. Well, I mean, we might have, like, a golden generation, like that mammoth team for, like, OCE or, like, Flash Wolves for uh, Garena, but for just like outside of relying on stuff like that, kind of. Why do you think that our development scene will just always keep us behind? I think it's just like the way it's adapted, like even with the new format changes, what I think are sick. I love the coaches and seeing everyone, like people in the scene are not the problem. I think it's just like the way that it's, function and like how far behind it's been just going up until now like there's a lot of catching up to do and other scenes are always innovating and always going forward uh i think it's just it's not insurmountable but certainly like as time goes on it's just going to be harder and harder for like people to catch up can i start with this one yeah yes sure. sir i mean I'm you start with the, as a academy coach so because i i enjoy the fact that this call has come in now i know that you just referenced the the new changes right um but also even adding to the fact that like Oceania now being North America, not only just in League of Legends, but of course just like you know geographically speaking. Um, yeah, <laughs> we just close uh, the ocean. Exactly. Um, I think uh, talent development is actually in a pretty good spot. It, it should be. I, I I shouldn't say it is because it really just depends on how the actual um, uh, uh, system actually progresses, and also if the players that are going through that system are are reasonably improving. Another addition to this is also in-houses that have only really grown which is great to see not even just like the core jj in-houses but also just i've been watching the earlier in-houses for the east coasters with the uh, revenge um dardock and all that and a lot of it is incorporating uh amateur players and going through reviews that i think are insanely beneficial to players like that like when 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 i brought uh, when um golden guardians academy got in Gorka and then got in um, Chime. And, it, and this is just not to them, but like everyone that's new and comes into the scene, like it is a huge influx of information that goes through them um, about like a premier, like, you know, competitive environment. Even if they've already been on that in an amateur level, it is a completely different game. So I actually would say that, um, that I'm expecting it to really boom in the next two years. I think that we'll see a lot more. And I think that you know, the academy system, quote unquote, will actually have a much easier flow of talent from amateur to academy because now teams will be forced to do what, you know, what happened with Mad Lions, which is 
oh, my top laner just got beat by this guy. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is swapping. Swaparoo. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think I think the direct competition is always the is the major benefit. Um, so, I, to your point, yes, we are behind because of it, and it's due to natural reasons. If we're comparing ourselves to Korea and China, is huge machine uh, and large population size for these servers. Uh, but the biggest reason, another big reason, not the biggest, that's a lie. Another big reason was because of the system uh, uh, underneath the major league. And I think that we finally moved that kind of pillar and budge that's making it better. By the way, I have a, I have a random question, uh, Raz. Sorry, Gorak. What's up? But What's um, up? Is, uh, do we know, are the Core GJ in-houses taking place on the tournament server? Like, is, are those all low ping? It's live. It's live. Why aren't they doing that... it on the low ping ones? Because they're also including like academy and amateur players as well that do not like. Didn't if we're when about I interviewed Anero, it sounded yeah. like the you other... guys had negotiated so that academy and amateur could play on those servers. The other thing that could be true right now is that the tournament realm servers usually stop getting updated uh, in, in preseason um, because they don't want to devote resources to like putting all these patches into a server that people aren't technically using. And, uh, and also, there's a list of like, for instance, they gave them a, a number of accounts or like they're saying this is how many players you can bring on per team and so if you're just bringing on which is like any amateur player that wants to play that's being vetted you're not going to be able to give them an account on time so there's a lot of basically uh barriers to that uh, empire and kelsey also said in twitch chat that not all the players are in the country right now so it's not even like you know la server is guaranteed to be the best for a lot of people so I'm sure it's a bunch of a bunch of these factors put together. I, maybe Tournament Realm has been updated, and I'm wrong. But I remember at the end of end of the year after Worlds, Tournament Realm basically died and it stopped getting updated, and um, all the accounts get wiped once the season starts again. And so you'll have to hand out those codes. Uh, well, yeah. I hope. I mean, it would be nice. Like the logistical stuff. When I hear logistical reasons for why we can't, you know, have an ideal environment, I always just want those to get solved. Because, yeah. like, w if we spend all this time talking about how bad ping is, and then it's like, okay, well, we have a solution to that, and then people can't do it. I mean, I know you can't fix somebody who's They're on East the East Coasters, Coast. Travis. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But I would I would hazard a guess that the majority of people that are playing in these in-houses would benefit from being able to play on the West Coast server. I mean, once again, I don't think that's the biggest you know, benefit of being in the in-house server for the new players. If we're talking about new players coming in, like amateur academy or new new academy uh, players, the biggest benefit of is being in these review sessions with more experienced players, or even not even like the post-game reviews, but also just being in game. Like in lobbies and yeah. Yeah, exactly. The draft stuff too is also pretty useful from what they've been doing. Uh, I'll say um, to go back to some of the original points of, of the caller and about being behind Travis remember that great double lift interview from uh, season one season two about how yes Korea I was about to never say I just thought up. that yeah. yeah sorry say go ahead and say what it is so if if no one's ever seen this uh, this interview from season two it was on I think it was on State of the League way back in the day and yes. Korea was playing in like some IEMs and they were good but they weren't dominating and double if said and then i might butcher this a little bit what but that they would never catch up because na has an extra year of experience on them and they would always have that extra year of experience and there's no way to get that year back and um you know korea would just always be behind na 
Yeah, I am. I'm sad because I thought of that as as the call, and I didn't. I didn't get to it in time. But yes, it was a perfect example. I mean, and you can take that interview, but you can also take like people thought Korea would only ever dominate, and then uh, there's you know they yep. started to be kind of weak for a while, and people thought LEC. Uh, I'm going to piss off all of the EU LCS callers right Love now. But for a long time, a lot of people felt like EU LCS and NA LCS were like the same tier and they were just both dramatically behind Korea and China. And now LEC is undisputedly better than North America and after, is a pretty big contender with uh After LPN, China LCK. China won the last two finals, it's well now they're the best and in LCK is going to be playing second fiddle. Wait a minute. So who Okay, I'm not, I'm just going to put this out there. Uh, I've only as you know being when I was in China at the time um, or even Oceania that it was, I've only heard the debates that it was between Europe and China being second place. At what point in time was North America in that discussion? Was that season two? I think season I mean, nobody ever said your, North America was second place. Everyone just thought EU was as shit as North America. In, in um, 2014, EU got no um, seeds out of groups and then he got two in TSM and the C9. So there's there's a period of time around 2015 as well. I mean, they had a oh, lot yeah. better showing. This is this is the problem when we do this stuff. It's like when we said rivals. that it's like when we said that there was a time on the last episode that Double Lift was considered like a top 2 ADC in the world. It's because we have all these people that started watching in 2017 and they're like, "What are you talking about? That has never <laughs> been the case. How dare how dare you be smirch the integrity of my teams in my region and it's like okay well you, you we've we've been covering this a little longer than you've been watching yeah. um, <laughs> um but anyways to the caller's point like i agree the gap in na is is a serious issue and i don't believe we'll ever be like hands down the most dominant region in the world but to say that like our talent development pipeline will always be behind some of these other regions you never know what's going to happen maybe the eu scene collapses for some reason but north america goes strong and then we're in a totally different you know, in, in, in environment. So you just, you just never know. But I would say um, there are issues that Raz was talking about that go beyond just systemic fi fixes that uh, NA has to deal with. And those are much harder to improve. Um, I think it's, it's fair to, to be relatively pessimistic, but I think the moves in the right direction are all good. Yeah. I, I think that stuff is fair. Uh, a lot of my things are actually more on the structural side because there are things we can't fix and I've never really focused on them like the server size and stuff like that like we're mm -hmm. going to be smaller probably for a while whatever that's fine can't change that but like stuff like uh, I, one of the reasons I was really happy Raz stick around was like Demacia Cup and like Kespa Cup and tournaments where like like even amateur players and like lower tier um, I guess LSBL teams at the time LDL, LDL now mm -hmm. uh, would play like high up like uh, Chinese teams or high up Korean teams like I don't think I've ever been more hyped than like when Snake and King, even though King didn't, Sky wasn't as good as I wanted them to be. Uh, like I've never been as hyped as like when they like did really well in Demacia Cup, and like stuff like that isn't really here in league, uh, in at least in uh, North America. They're like that's why the amateur tournament. Like I'm really hyped about that, but like they're still not putting in like LCS teams and like other teams where like so academy players can like outperform like current NA like. LCS starters and people like that. Uh, that's why, like, those are some more structural changes that I was, like, more, a little bit more focused on. But this is still, like, a really great discussion. Yeah, I do wonder if there's a world where you can mimic relegation in some some form. Uh, like, I don't know if it's good or bad for the league if we're sending, like, 
Dignitas or like let's say Golden Guardians doesn't do well next year with their roster like down and they're getting beaten by Cloud9 Academy or something like that. I don't know if that's good for the league that it would look that way, but I also think that it does it does put pressure on teams to perhaps make rosters that are are not embarrassing. I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, I think it'd be okay because it's at least all still kind of in the same pool of talent, so to speak. I think it'd be really bad if some EU master teams came over and slapped NA like seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth teams. Oh god, like fucking uh what was that all Chinese team? LQ. LQ. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean at least they they didn't win anything. Yeah. Technically. They made worlds, but um but yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh Gorok, thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we move on to our next caller? Uh Shout out Raz. I used to watch Shia talk a shit ton back in the day. You, uh, Frost, uh, Drexen, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Karen, uh, not Karen, Kelsey Moser is here too. Uh, shout out to uh, Travis, you too. I've been watching since, I think, State of the League, even like when I didn't actually watch League. Yeah. But, Thank uh, you. shit, like every time I, after Worlds, I stop watching League just because it's so sad. But, uh, Summer, your content's always there. It's always really good. Nice. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for the call. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for sticking around to Afterworlds this time. Yeah, exactly. Hello, my name is Travis Gafford, and this is Whose League Is It Anyways? with uh, myself, Alex Penn, Gnome San, uh, all these. Oh, shit. Deep Nick, cuts. Nick Allen. <laughs> Who else? Nick Allen and Shox. Nick Allen. Shox. Oh, there we go. Fantastic. Yeah. The good old days. Back before Shox just skyrocketed into the stratosphere and left me far far beneath her begging for subs on my twitch stream thank you to it's gilchrist for gifting a sub to dweebs uh and if anybody else has a prime gamer sub i'd love to uh to get that prime gamer sub from you um because i don't have big budget deals with red bull and uh you know mastercard and mr dongstrong is here mr dongstrong where are you calling from hey what's going on Ooh, you're loud. You're very strong. Um, where, Mr. Dongstrong is strong. Where are you? Where are you calling from? Is my mic okay now? Uh, yes, I I turned you down. But continue. Okay. All right. I'm um, calling from Seattle. From Seattle. Nice. Uh, what do you want to talk about on the show? Um. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was uh, with both Doublet and Bjergsen retiring, the record for the most individual LCS titles won't be broken for at least another 25 years. What? What? With the new LCS changes, the new format changes, because think about it: Doublelift has what seven titles, Bjergsen has six, and each player can only win a possible of one trophy per year, right? As opposed to two. Right? So, so it's going to take it's going to take twice the amount of time uh, it is yeah. for somebody to surpass Doublelift and Bjergsen's LCS title record, right? So it's actually going to take no. Uh, well, uh, okay, hang on. Um, I'm not saying you're wrong, but my answer is it is difficult to know. It, it depends entirely on how Riot plans to position this qualification tournament to MSI. Um, because now, supposedly, there's going to be a tournament that qualifies people to MSI that does happen in the middle of the season that will feel like spring split uh, finals, but is ultimately not spring split finals because there is no spring split. And so... Whatever. Yeah. So if they decide to position that as like, this is a tournament that awards a trophy that is 
on par with what spring we consider these to be champions for like, like if they do that somehow which i think is pretty hard to do narratively given that like you're now saying that all these games matter equally all the way up to summer then that would work but um so i don't know uh people people in chat generally want the spring things still matter like in terms of empire and fudge saying that um but i will say to the caller's point even if the spring split does matter just half his point right so instead of being 20 to 25 years it's 10 to 15 or 10 to 12 or something my, right? my, my so, original statement said 15 but i kind of want to go a little, little extra i mean i mean either way if 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 you're right and there's only one title then it's 20 to 25 if you're wrong and there's two t two titles still i mean your your take still plays the same it's just you know now 10 years so yeah. I, I think i think i think e either way we we can talk about this i yeah. think should okay should we do you, mark should we talk about the even if it should count or is that just a side so, topic that we should so, talk about Will will they be adding a, a title for, or sorry, not a title, like a trophy for the qualification? Because I thought it was just a qualification I don't know. tournament for MSI. I don't know. I all of the things oh, that okay. I know, um, is is has been said. All the things I know that I can discuss publicly, have been said publicly about this. <laughs> and so, uh, when Run Riot <laughs> reveals this information in the future, uh, we will know more. But um that to the to this point in time like we i i don't know about um how they plan on actually even with the information i don't know or that i do know that i can't talk about i don't know how they're planning on categorizing that tournament assuming go ahead mark i was gonna say just assuming that the the tournament structurally is similar to spring finals or like the spring playoffs and whatnot I would want the title to count. I think to your point travis it is a little hard to figure out the term to use because you can't say spring champions when it's half like maybe you say mid-season champs or something or mid you know maybe maybe there's yeah. a title you can come up with that that makes it work but assuming that the difficulty level is the same that's what i care about the most is like okay you had to win a series of best of fives to be crowned the champion if, if you have to do that i think that the know, problem is i think it's like hard. a i think it counts as like a mini trophy in my opinion because it's not even an event so. that sends you to worlds so it's, it's not an LCS championship, and that's what matters when it comes down to the history books. It's yeah. it, one of those things that whenever I see, like, there's been a change for a tournament format in, like, the NBA or something, like, throughout times, like, what matters, actually, more so WWE, but <laughs> more to the point is that it, an else you can't, you, either you change the wording of it, or it just yes. goes back to the point of this guy has this many LCS championships. Uh, and to the caller's point, if you're just going for a one long season, then you do get you take away the frequency of it. So that's true. It's fair. It's and whoever wants to hit that whoever wants to hit that record, you gotta you gotta enlist X Smithy fast. That's what I, I think, was about to say. <laughs> I think um, actually, I think what you do is for like a, for like an episode like run it. Like I'm, we just did these run it's on like double lift and Bjergsen's career. I think what you do is you probably have two. Uh, two different categories you have like trophies lifted and then you have championships won and i think the championships won is you're only going to be able to get one championship win a year now is my opinion you can get multiple trophies a year um because maybe you win multiple tournaments uh but i don't know if you can get multiple championship wins so it's kind of like what rather my, my my take on these things is i care much more about the spirit of the tournament than like the, the narrative of it, which is the same reason I take issue with some of the, the OG worlds was because they were so far removed in, from what the actual format of and, and difficulty level of what worlds became. 
um, and it's it's how I'd feel about this. If it is a different event, like legitimately ran differently, different rewards, you know, people start preparing for it differently. If it's if it's different, then I don't like it being counted the way Spring used to count. But if it's effectively the same thing, but we just now combine the splits, then I would like to find a way to continue to count them. Like I said, whether that means you call it a mid-split champion or victor or I don't fucking care. Um, but if if you're playing a a 16 a 16 best of five elimination tournament that plays exactly like spring and qualifies you to MSI. It's literally just the spring championship. It is the same thing. All right. Well, anyway, let's move on to the second. I just saying, except for whoever's at 10th place now is already set to the back of the line in the next split. (laughs) It feels fucking terrible for the losers. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. I I saw a couple of people in the chat asking like to elaborate on like 15 and 25. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Let's talk about your, your take. Yeah, so like essentially like, you know, I, I guess now I have to say hypothetically now, hypothetically if the new format is one trophy, one championship every single year, if some new player comes in North America and say, I want I want to get more trophies than double it or, or more more LCS championships than double ever has, which is seven, then that player has to win eight straight years in a row in, in order to win it in the in the fastest amount of time. Right. So like obviously being that dominant for eight years in a row isn't really realistic. So that's why I came up with the sort of like 15, 20 range. I mean, the thing is, who's who else is close, right? Like... Xmithy. Xmithy's close, but I mean, we'll see. He's not... We, we he's, haven't heard about him. No, right? he's not even starting on an LCS team. Yeah. So who else is, is uh, would be like in the next range? In fact, there's four. I think there's a host of people Gen- at four. No, Jensen didn't win a lot. Uh, for a long time, I yeah, was just thinking of like two. big names, but Twitch Turtle has four. Turtle has four. Impact has four. Jensen only has two. Uh, I feel like there's some. Yeah, there's going to be some two. player that we're not thinking of that's been around for a long time. But actually, so many of the old guard just retired, or like are not starting yeah. this year. So like, uh, it's going to be well, really hard now. I think it. It really does feel like a new era, you know. Like, like with the format changes on top of yeah like no 100 percent 2021 is a basically a reboot of the lcs in so many different ways yeah. um yeah so you're kind of right i mean especially depending on how they count the championship thing it's gonna be really hard to hit that level mm-hmm. uh, not only and- not only the because actually there's multiple ways of thinking about it because not only is it just there's less opportunities but also like man you have to be like if you're creating a dynasty that dynasty has to withstand like twice as long as the previous dynasties for these other teams you know yeah that's yeah. that's why i hope that they can maintain some semblance of normalcy between the changes in in this potential format just cuz otherwise you have to start really thinking about the you know like you said two different eras like it's just not even fair to compare i'll just yeah. say that that's already the case though cuz cuz like from I would imagine season three to season four, like you just had players who are winning IEM championships and winning IPL championships, and so there would be like a huge trophy case for players who were like, um, you know, Moscow Five players or um, WE players that now you can never sure. really hit that same amount of trophies. So I just think that we've normalized that era where you're like internationals are now just two trophies. Uh, it's like yeah, yeah, an yeah. entire year. 
so we just gotta have to, if the, if the new changes are big that that will be normalized in like a year or two i think yeah. that's a good yeah. point uh mr dongstrong thank you for the call i thought it this was really interesting and and it put an idea into my mind that I had not really considered. Um, you know, I think maybe it had been buzzing around a little bit, but this is a great way of, of coming at it. So it definitely yeah. gives me a question to ask Riot whenever I finally get a chance to talk to them about this stuff. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually like to expand it one more time if I could. Sure. Yeah. Um, so basically, do you think that, like, when comparing, you know, potential future great players down in the road, do you think that maybe potentially uh, players like Doublelift and Bjergsen could potentially be compared to somebody like Bill Russell in the NBA? Um, so for those of you who aren't aware, Bill Russell, who, uh, he was an NBA player back in like the 1940s and the 50s, uh, so very, very early on in the NBA's, um, you know, is, is in it, when the NBA was in its infancy. Um, but people tend to hold something like Michael Jordan's six championships to a much higher value than Bill Russell's 11. So, you know, again, like hypothetically, if, you know, we do have this one championship, one trophy a year uh, format moving forward into the future, at what point do you value uh, less championships over the raw amount of championships that players like Doublelift and Bjergsen had in the two splits per year era? This is a Raz and Mark thing because I'm not a traditional sports boy. I mean, like in general, I, first of all, I think these retirements that we've been seeing, including Uzi's, um, does mean we should have like a Hall of Fame for a league um, and it should be global. I know that LPL is doing a Hall of Fame for themselves, but fuck that. We should have a global <laughs> Hall of Fame. It's a global sport. Like it's something that there are so many that's what made esports honestly uh for me better than other sport, traditional sports where you are watching every other region's games you are a fan of every other region's games so like you're seeing them in their own region succeed and you just want to be able to like kind of celebrate that so um to to kind of answer the question yeah like i do think that they'll be seen as like the goats for years to come because they were the best in their craft for so long and I think that for the Zoomers of the future, um, we want to, you know, a, a, a Hall of Fame to kind of talk about that. Yeah. I think it's also um, fair to the point about eras is to think about them that way, too. I mean, um, you know, what was good in season one and season two from a skill level and an achievement level um, is not really the same thing in season four, five, and now nine and 10, you know, like before the Eastern regions were recognized as regions, you know, those international tournaments were a lot easier to win. And nowadays it's like, holy fuck, if you can yeah. be a North Korean and Chinese team in a best of five, you're actually dope as hell. And I think the standards change with the times for me. Um, so like, you know, I, I think that's something that to keep in mind when, when you start talking about greatest players of all time, you know, like MJ didn't win more than Bill Russell, but fuck if people yeah. don't recognize the greatness. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to shout out before we uh, move on to our next caller? Uh, no, just thank you guys for having me on the call. Yeah, thank you for coming on. All right. Can All we right. just say that guy sounded suspiciously like uh, sneaky? <laughs> Did he? I don't think yeah. so. He sounded a little bit too much like Sneaky there. I got to re-listen to the call. I wasn't picking up on that. I hard <laughs> disagree. This is not an accurate. What? Raz got, getting pa some love in the chat. Papa Smithy says, Raz, hello. What? He was insane. 
insanely like sneaky. I was get I was having problems when he was laughing, dude. I was like, when he laughed like that, I was like, no way, please. <laughs> Smitrix, thank you for the prime and so many things. Thank you for the thirty-two months and the prime. I have to do, sure, I need to get out more, but like, what does that have to do with the point of hand here, huh? I mean, you're not supposed to get out right now. We're under stay-at-home yeah, we orders. Have a walk with a, you know. With, oh yeah, you're actually you're you're still in LA right now, right? Yeah. Okay. Don't you, you sound happy about it? Prongs ninety nine is here. Prongs, where are you calling from? Hi, I'm calling from Brooklyn, New York, right now. From Brooklyn, New York. What do you want to talk about on the show? Um. So I kind of want to talk about basically the top three teams in the LCS, and I'm really looking at um, C9 and CM Liquid look really strong, and what kind of what that means for you know the bottom teams in the league. So I know we have a lot of teams that are more budget oriented this year with weaker rosters we call those development think, oriented yes and that's actually a point i was gonna bring up about development teams specifically like golden guardians that's kind of what that means um for those teams and like kind of if they have a place because i know like golden Guardians specifically i remember when they first came into the um league hunter with that whole roster centered on high um like everybody was spending big but golden guardians kind of a bit more temperate there hunter kind of talked about how Golden Guardians were developmental at the time. Um, and that kind of became true because look what happened last season. They had a really good team, and now their whole team got shipped off to 100 Thieves because of what I assume is like budget reasons, kind of what it sounded like. Yeah. So I mean, he's basically said as much on Hotline League and on the uh, the video that he put out. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like if you have these teams that are kind of developing talent, um, what happens when another team with a higher budget buys them off? How do these lower teams develop fans? Um, and then another point is that we also have a lot of kind of rookies coming in into the league. So with all these strong teams, fans kind of have to expect that teams are going to look weaker than what they might actually be. So I want to focus on your first point rather than, than your second point at first, at least. And then you can remind me to, to go back to it if we need to. But I think... Uh... You raise a really good point, which is in traditional sports and in other places, uh, there is a reason to care about the teams, even if the roster changes dramatically, right? Um, because those teams do a good job of establishing brands for themselves because they are rooted in uh, locations and you just like your whole family becomes a fan of them. I know Mark has multiple sports teams that I forget that he is a fan of and his family are, are fans of him. I don't know. Anyway, uh, that doesn't exist in the LCS really. And so it becomes a huge issue whenever, okay, I was a FlyQuest fan last year and now am I still a FlyQuest fan? Cause like, whatever I would, the reason I bring up FlyQuest though is because I do think that their brand, they have, they succeeded in 2020, I think in a way that we have never seen another team succeed in the league in terms of establishing a brand, which is amazing because they went from being like a joke to like, actually, I think the gold standard of, what to do to say, you know, you are this. Uh, I think next year people will know, like FlyQuest will continue to feel a lot like FlyQuest in a way that like, if you throw out all the players from another team, it becomes kind of difficult. Um, you know, not to bring up a bunch of stuff that we've talked about on the show previously, but Mark and I have discussed how Golden Guardians did kind of an okay job with like certain visual elements and branding and the, the pictures that they've had, oh, right. but not like a great job in comparison to somebody like FlyQuest um, I think 100 Thieves is kind of 
like hundred thieves has built like a higher level brand that I don't think has always done a great job of trickling down to what their like league team is, but there's kind of something there too. Um, and I, so I think it's going to be really important. Like if you are a team like a Dignitas or a golden guardians or something like that, I think your initiative should be okay. We have now decided, I think previously, by the way, the vast majority of the LCS teams were all saying we're a world's contender. Um, and like only this year and going into next year have we seen teams start to say, guess what? We're not a world's contender. We're going to try to build this this team. And so uh, so I think it's going to be very important for those teams that decide they're not world's contenders to start giving their fans something else to care about and uh, and a reason to like root for their team even if they're not necessarily going to be, hey, my name is Steve and I just spent $5 million to win this split or this year. Um, I don't know if Raz has something he wants to throw in before before I give my my angle on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. I think there's there's a portion of fans who want to see younger talent. It's not going to be every single fan, but there are the Tom Shoes of the world who want just to see the young guys in there. And you, you can probably get those people as fans just by putting in Yasui or whoever they think deserves their shot. You know, um, and the marketing that you make around this player then is not. Is he going to be the best in his first split? But like, hey, what's it like playing your first games? What is it like doing this? And so your your narrative really changes to present what the pro player is going through as a younger player versus, you know, it's the 10th time we watched Doublelift in a, a micro series, a mini series about the, the, the scene, you know, like there's fresher, newer things you can try and present to fans and different storylines. So um I think that can be a way to secure fans. I think your storyline should change every year based off what your team's actually trying to do. Um, so if, if you are a contender, or maybe you didn't even think you're going to be a contender, but you start being a contender, you know, you start pushing out different messaging and these kinds of things. Um, to your point about the budgets, though, which uh, is, a, uh, is a concern that some teams will kind of just get feasted by bigger teams, it's possible. I mean, this happens in most sports, you know, big market teams get the big name players. Um, that's probably going to happen in, in league to some degree. I, I mean, I don't really know if there's anything really to say to it, but that's just how it is. It's a those, bigger those issue. Other teams will have the, the last laugh when the big spenders mm -hmm. all go bankrupt and they're like, haha, now we're the number one teams because Steve spent too much investor money and now his so empire has collapsed. So like there are teams like energy pacemakers in the in the for the L, you know the LPL in the old days. Um, I'm trying to remember the other team. Xenix Storm is probably a good example. Like teams that I would consider like farming teams that would do the finding of good talent, but then would never kind of na like naturally reap the rewards or be able to build a lasting brand. Um, I don't think that Golden Guardians were that simply based off the messaging because it's not like as if it was like, oh yeah, this is just who we are. It was more like it was even presented from like by Hunter that this was just a complication because of what's happening in the NBA um, for the year, and there was a, an intent to keep the team together. Um, so like those are the type of things that I, I like hearing, and it yeah it does blow because you're right. If you don't have players, even just one player, right, that is sticking with the team from split to split, then you're just basically pressing the restart button on your branding. Um, the only way that I would see in which a team can actually somehow retain 
like a, a, a fan base or create a fan base around it. I, as you mentioned, FlyQuest has done a great job around uh, creating those initiatives uh, to be able to say, hey, you know what? I'm a fan of this in daily life, right? Like being able to talk about the environment if I'm a politically minded or like environmentally minded, I mean. Um, now I have a team that I can immediately just kind of cling to as my side piece or even just as like as a, as a primary fan. Um, but Golden Guardians have been kind of pushing through with content, like video content. Just uh, 100 Thieves has been doing it too, but like Golden Guardians, like mini documentary has been fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you just see more content, something that you can see, maybe merchandise that people can be more like a big f a fan of. And if they're, if they do incredibly well at being able to get the personalities from like players like Nile, who I know has a you know, great personality, out to the fans immediately, then you can get like a cult fan base. Um, but yeah, just to answer the question quickly, like, yeah, if you if you completely overhaul your lineup, good luck. You're never going to be able to reach this the, the team, the top three teams in branding. Um, but I wouldn't say that Golden Guardians are necessarily that, unless if that kind of continues on. If that just happens for the next few splits, then it's kind of doomed. I think another um, interesting team to look at is probably like last year with Dignitas 2019. That after the roster they had in summer, um, like Demonte, Vulcan, Cody Sun, how they kind of um, just completely swept their gauntlet. I think they were really looking to be like a um, kind of a fan team. Like a lot of fans were looking to them, like to kind of see what they would do in the next season. And that roster completely blew up, and the Dignitas didn't really retain much fans from that. So it kind of was interesting to see um, with FlyQuest, like they really had branding focus around. Fly quest and not focused on the players, which I think was really interesting. Yeah, and it's smart. Cements them in the league. Yeah, I, I just don't think. I mean, I think Kelby said this last uh, week. FlyQuest is the only team that knows who they are in the LCS and what they stand for. I mean, like, I I get that there are going to be people that take issue with that, but like. Steve will say winning in excellence and Cloud9 will say winning in excellence and TSM will say winning in excellence and like okay the people like winner like you you should be trying to win if you're spending that much money it's not like a big brand you know um now that doesn't mean that they haven't done good branding work in certain areas right like I think uh Cloud9 has done some cool stuff around trying to build uh you know like a sort of little league thing or like tl has great merch under t has great merch like sorry they don't have merch they have apparel uh i remember i was this is why if i do hate hundred t this is why i hate them because i've been told i can't say merch i have to say apparel um but uh and tsm has like their websites and stuff i guess but but like ultimately those are not great it's very difficult to latch on to a team for those reasons and like if you did surveys of people and you say, what is, what do you think of when you think of FlyQuest and what do you think of when you think of Cloud9? I think frequently people will list the players on Cloud9, whereas people will list the branding elements of FlyQuest. So, um, yeah, I mean, I will say this though. Um, the correlation is going to be there for FlyQuest because while they made this initiative, they were also insanely successful competitively. So like next year, if they just, you know, our booty, if they just shit, <laughs> then like, that's probably the most important thing, um, kind of recognizing, wait a minute, is this branding mean something? Because to your point, I, I would disagree with like 
the, the idea with Kelby saying is because like at the end of the day, you have like teams that are trying to be competitive. There's no team that's going into the split and saying that we can't make it a world. Um, and so the hundred thieves, I think has a good branding already. Like they already have a really successful one that you already mentioned, um, from other games, but also just from the apparel line. Um, and, uh, yeah, like FlyQuest, I'd love to see if they can still retain fans when they're if they struggle. Though I think they have a good team as well, but I don't necessarily. I think a lot of the fan base is just there for a successful team. Um, I also think that, like, kind of with the players themselves, um, team should kind of help them build a brand around themselves, but also the team. And I think one like good example of that, that kind of you know helps the branding of the team is Vince Garen from last season. I think he should have gotten a raise for his genius in um, uh, Banger Tweet, Live Evil. Because EG wasn't doing that well, but I think everybody knew, you know, the hashtag Live Evil and Banger Tweet from Sven throughout the whole split. Like, that's just a good example of kind of a player um, heavily branding around the team and not just the player itself. That kind of can retain fans, but teams need to help the players, you know, brand for the teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry, we're running a little low on time. We've got two more calls to go. But Prongs, thank you so much for the call. Anything you want to say before we uh, move on to the next caller? I just want to shout out Alienware, of course, alienware.com slash Travis. And thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. By the way, everybody um, that does that, we should let you know that I'm legitimately having somebody cut together a compilation of all the times fans have shouted out this stuff, especially in the past, like, 10 or 20 episodes so that when we talk to Alienware about 2021 stuff, they can see just like the fat compilation of that. Uh, is it, is it Nako? Is that your name? It's uh Nako V, but you can call me Nako. Anything is fine. Nako V, Nako V. Uh, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Philly. Uh, yes, that's about it. Um, uh, <laughs> yep. What do you want to talk about on the show? Uh, I wanted to say that, uh, CLG would have been like a top tier team if Hotshot GG was still like a top decision maker in CLG, like Reggie is in TSM or like Steve in TL or Jack in C9. Um, and I, I think this is, uh, this is, you can probably see this in CLG if you go back in CLG's history, like 2015, 2016 CLG, before um, Madison Square Garden bought a majority of this you know, uh, controlling share, I believe, uh, from CLG. And then, you know, Hotshot GG kind of shied away from the scene. Uh, I, I think that was the moment I think uh, CLG started slipping in, in my, my sense because they kind of lost uh, leadership or uh, primary target. I, okay, maybe, maybe the way I'm saying is that when you lose like such a figure, like a leadership figure, they lose a target. So in, in terms of Steve, you can you always know that he always comes out and says, we want to win Worlds, and he, no matter what, he always leads the team to, you know, making sure that they win Worlds, and he will do whatever that he has to do to make sure that happens. And I think CLG has lost that type of leadership and that type of They don't goal. have like a gamer leader boy, uh, much like a lot of the other good teams have. Right. Yeah, I love this take. Oh, did you? Have I hate this take. Uh, 
No, and but, I'm look, somewhere look, in the look, middle. Look, look. So like, I love the idea. So we can just go on to my. I, I want to hit my point too because I, I think the <laughs> you're idea. you're giving yourself the floor. You're like, we could just go on to what I'm saying. Uh, Raz, is, Raz yeah. is a guest, too. He's yeah, interjecting. Just, uh, Objection. I'm a host here. Oh, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I think that losing a central face hurts your brand. And this, like, really deeply hurts your brand. I okay, thought that was he was talking about plus. winning. Yeah, and that's why, okay. Now if you so you're trying to, to change the topic. Maybe. <laughs> so we should go with my take first, and then we can get to you later. All right. Which is Go. my right, take I'll, I'll is let you have the floor, Travis. My take is Mark is a jerk because I like Hotshot and I don't want to flame him, but I now feel like I have to uh, speak speak. Uh, I have seen a take like this a number of times over the past couple weeks. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if it's always been Nako or Nako or not, but I feel like I had to take one eventually. And so here Wake we are. Wake up, Mr. West. I, I I mean I'm not flaming I'm not flaming Hashajiji. No 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 you are saying, saying good things. I now have to disagree with you, uh, which oh. is tough. Uh, hopefully the scam train and chat will help finish and then I'll be good. Okay, so I disagree with this because I don't think that the success that CLG had in 2015 and 2016 was because of Hotshot, uh, based off of my understanding of the way that roster functioned at the time, like. Uh, people forget about Chris, the coach that was with CLG at that time, but I remember people giving him a lot of praise for Tony. for that. Uh, Tony, um, I like it was it was it was mostly that that team and it kind of coming together finally after years and years and years of it. I mean, we had Kelby on the show last week to talk about Peter's time, but like there there were years and years of CLG getting pretty close to being good and then just always sucking that finally got to that. And like I like Hotshot was to my knowledge not actively involved in the creation of those rosters. Um especially at a certain point. Um and so I do not think that like like and we should let's also define really quickly who oh. what? Nothing, sorry, go ahead. Let's also define really quickly who at CLG right now are making oh. decisions around the rosters. Uh, since the Madison Square Garden pickup occurred, my understanding has been a combination of Nick Allen when he was there, a friend of mine, but perhaps didn't build the best rosters. Uh, Trinity, who has been there for a very long time, even before Madison Square Garden was there, but I don't think has won anything since he arrived or created that compelling of a roster seems like a nice guy. Like I, I hate being put in positions like this where somebody who's nice, I have to speak critically of, but like, I don't think he's had any competitive success while he's run a lot of the competitive side of CLG, at least in the league side. Now they have Tafu over there. And then like, you can talk about whether or not Weldon or some of their other coaches have been involved. Like none of the people on this list have been able to do much. Now, part of that might be because, Madison Square Garden is not giving them the budget that they need, though I believe that they will probably be middle to high end of the the numbers, depending on how you calculate it this coming year. But like, I like I don't. It, in my opinion, if Madison Square Garden is guilty of anything, it is not throwing out a lot of the people that have been running the competitive side and haven't found the results over the past couple of years. That is where um, I, I think they are guilty. Nico, can you can you mute as well? You're you're getting a little bit of yeah 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 yeah. I, I just muted. I just saw that. Yeah. Uh, 
I was going to say also to go even even prior to further back, like Hotshot wasn't running, and this is my understanding, um, he wasn't in charge of a lot of the day-to-day stuff even further back. I think his mom took over as CEO for a period of time. That was and then a there very was also the Malik- period of time. There's also the Malixia era, uh, um, right? Like there was a number of people who yeah. prior to the Madison Square Garden sale I heard that they had issues. Um, like I, I had heard rumors back then when I was, you know, more ingrained in the scene that there were these these problems with CLG. Like, can they pay their players? Or is is like I always I feel like almost every offseason I heard that their their rosters were going to blow up or something. Um, and so I think uh, this is one of the reasons that Reggie t- gets a lot of credit is because when he had all the eyeballs on TSM, he really locked down um, everything for them. Uh, not just on a competitive level, but on a team branding level and all these things uh, to become one of the most successful orgs in the league. And I don't know if that that ever happened with CLG, um, which it does all feed into each other. It's not strictly competitive, but it's it's all of that combined to, to go out and be able to make that happen. And I think the stuff that happened with CLG was a lot of things going right at the right time. You know, I think like six was really important. Obviously, Doublelift was a beast. I think they managed to find their stride. And then that next roster also had some carryover with some really good talent. But then it, it just never reclaimed that. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I agree. But Yeah. Okay. okay. So okay. If we're just talking about this, the wording of this one, which is obviously the purpose of it. <laughs> Wait, wait. Before Raz, you take us in a different direction. I think Naka. No, I'm going to the same fucking direction. No, no, wait. I want to hear what Naka was about to say to kind of cut this off, and then let's go in your same direction, which is actually a different direction. Yeah, I I mean, I I did after getting some insight from Travis and also Mark from the behind the scenes, which I'm not aware of. I kind of understand what you guys are saying, and I kind of agree. But I would like to say that. Uh, perhaps the victory that CLG did in 2015 and 2016 probably was, like you said, they came together and it was the right time at the right moment and everything was correct for them and they did it. But I do think the lack of CLG's prominence or uh, their standings, they could have been like a top standing team. And I think the the lack of that is because of they lack a strong leadership like Reggie, Steve, or Jack. And I still stick with that because I think if CLG had someone like that, they could have been potentially a top tier team, top tier um, league team. But I also think since the Madison Square Garden acquired them, um, now I, I do know that I don't know if it is correct, but I've heard that when majority of the profit for many of these teams or many of these brands come from things like streamers and many other things, and esports sometimes doesn't make a lot of profit. I'm not sure if this is true. So if you go in that direction, I can see something like a big company like Madison uh, would probably invest more on the streamer side or getting that kind of stuff than the actual team. So I can see how it could get lost in a less priority-wise for that team or that org in general. And then lose its overall focus but yeah that's that's what i think because i think a strong leadership is what actually makes the whole team you know push forward stronger even in lec you can see g2's ocelot being a very prominent figure in the scene and also a prominent figure in the team and even if you look at the top three teams like tsm tl and c9 
Okay. Raz? Am I allowed to talk, Travis? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, so here's the thing. Like, uh, so if we're talking, like the original point about, uh, you know, having Hotshot, not having Hotshot as like your, your main owner, front-facing human like person is bad for a competitive standpoint. I agree with that. I mean, I, I disagree with that because obviously like the decisions he made at the time weren't as strong, strong then. It doesn't stand the test of time. But since MSG came in, who was their forward-facing, you know, face of ownership? Like the Noah Winston or... Yeah. Uh, they don't have that. It doesn't exist. It's not there. Like, the closest they had was their head coach in... Um... Tony? No, no. I'm talking about the... Uh, Nick? Like, last year's Alan? head coach. No, oh, last year's Weldon, coach. Weldon, Weldon, Weldon. Weldon Green. Weldon Green. And barely. It was, a, it was barely the case, right? For Weldon. Um, first of all, like from a branding perspective, it's really important to have someone who's communicating this to the uh, to the fans like consistently. Uh, CLG has a large fan base at the time. Like it, it's obviously deteriorating year and year and year. Um, but like having that forward facing person to be able to communicate your decisions, like to talk about this and just to be there um, is really good for your organization and also creates a sense of uh, responsibility or, or accountability where that's not necessarily there. And I think that the decisions makers that you've been talking about, Travis, obviously share that burden, but it's not being answered to, right? Like that, that's, my, that's my major issue is that I do think that they need a forward-facing ownership yes. or personality yes. um, so that fans feel like there's a sense of accountability when things don't go well. So, it doesn't exist for the past, I don't know how many years. I mean, Nick Allen, I think, was supposed to be that when he was there, whether or not he were succeed in that role or not people can can decide for themselves but um i i we're running low on time but i will just say since you launched into the brand side really quickly i agree uh i think my my doubt is with hotshot can suddenly come in and build this amazing top tier roster i think that that is not clear to me i do think hotshot leaving the scene essentially is not good it was not too long ago that they had the like Hotshot versus Reggie, TSM versus CLG, who's going to get their hair dyed thing. I think it was like in 2018. And like, that was a fun element. The Hotshot was a good presence for this league. And I do miss him being around, though I think he would probably be getting a lot of flame if he was still the face of, of CLG at this moment in the same way that that organization is. But I've talked about in the past, like it is difficult because I don't even know who I should interview at that organization about anything because they just don't have, they don't have like a Trisha you know, or a Jack or any of these people. So, uh, yeah, I, I do. I do think it, we would be better off having Hotshot here. I don't think he would solve a lot of the problems that uh, Nako. Nako. I'm trying to remember how it's you said. It. Yes, <laughs> but Nako. But Nico. Uh, yes. Unfortunately, we're winding down though. So, is there anything you want to shout out before we go on to our last caller? Can I just can I just say my last oh. point before we hit this? I thought okay. Because for me, me right now, but go ahead. Because for me, um, it can change our entire perspective of CLG as a team if they, like years, years prior, if they said if it's a budgeting issue, if it's a budgeting issue, right? Or if it's an issue of just making the wrong decisions. I just want to know when, the, like the pre, before the year begins, what their expectations are. But even talking about the beginning of this year, the expectations weren't coming from CLG. It was coming from people who were talking to CLG. It was like saying, oh, they thought this and this and this about their team. I was like, okay, that's great. I want to hear that from them. 
Um, so yeah, that's my last point. Thank you so much for the call, caller. Is there any, any shout-outs you want to make before we go on to our last um, caller? Not really, but a, a shout-out to you, Travis, uh, for being a really nice interviewer in majority of the scene. And shout-out to Mark for actually looking through these hundreds of topics and actually making sense of it. And then also shout-out to you, Ras, for being a good analyst. Mm -hmm. And also shout out to my friend Alexander. If he sees this, I'm gonna be like, hi. That's all. Nice. He's also like a TSM hardcore TSM slash double lift fan. So he was very sad when double lift retired. So as so Me as too. so many of us were. Uh, thanks so much for the call. Have no problem. Thank you for the opportunity. Have a good day. Yeah. Have a good one. Bye. I, I appreciate him saying that I was a good analyst. And Mark, uh, you <laughs> you are the sifter of information. He's uh, he's already left. Unfortunately, he can't hear you. Uh, thank you to all the people who subbed during our scam train. Uh, Poro on Mars, Mac to Ace, Photo LOL, um, uh, Duke by Fall, JFK Gone AFK, Sila uh, QT, and uh, some more that I'll get to very shortly. Uh, Nicole is here, returning caller to the show. Nicole, Nicole, Hello. remind everybody where you're calling from. Uh, I'm calling from Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver, Canada. Um, oh, yeah. What do you uh, want to talk about on this, this episode? Uh, so I talked about it kind of last time. I wanted to bring up kind of like women in esports, and my take was specifically like uh, why women are less likely to get involved, in not only gaming and esports, but I think a lot of it is based on the fact that women still aren't. It's not really considered like a common thing for women to be gamers, which leads them to be stere like stereotyped as soon as they're seen as like a gamer. Um, and I think that just causes a lot of like negative attitudes in the community and a lot of you know toxicity that drives me further away. Um, do you want to, uh, I think it's a good, to <laughs> I think it's a good topic. And unfortunately, like, right. I wish, I wish we had, this is the type of topic that I think could take like 30 minutes or an hour. Unfortunately, totally. we're a yeah. little bit over time, but, um, and so I, I apologize to anybody in advance if it feels like we are not covering this as well as we should. Um, but do you want to expand a little bit on this? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll kind of just talk about like what I put down. Um, I, I really think there's, you know, pressures and kind of like attitudes from everywhere. I think um, kind of like having like your like personally my family and also my friends like gaming is not something that I talk about with them because as soon as I bring it up, like none of my family really plays games, none of my friends really play games. You know, it's really like I don't know. Like I feel like girls aren't really comfortable sharing it because it's almost seen as like weird or you know all those stereotypes with the e girls, the gamer girls, all that. They don't just see it as like a normal thing to do. So I think that kind of like chases people away from it. My other thing was also about the community, because as soon as you see like kind of a girl in gaming, right, that is kind of like a crazy thing or like, whoa, this is a little unusual. So I think that really drives people to immediately, you know, stereotype them and say, oh yeah, okay, gamer girl, Lux player, support player, all these things where it's like, yeah, sure, it's funny sometimes, but it really does add up and it's really frustrating to not really just be treated as like, you know, your average player. And also, I think this might be a little bit controversial, but I think Riot kind of contributes to this too, a lot of the time. And I just kind of want to disclose and say that girls who like, you know, the KDA stuff, the Star Guardian stuff, that's fine. You do you. But I really think, like, it goes really over the top to the point where it kind of becomes a joke. Like, I've seen a lot of criticism on the KDA thing, which I think has been, like, kind of a marketing tool to get more people who are into, like, the K-pop scene, um, or, 
you know, a lot more girls into it because it seems like a more almost like feminine thing, something, you know, you click on that would get you into League. It's gone really over the top. People are criticizing it. You've also kind of seen this in a lot of the female-only teams that they've tried to create. There was one a few years back, I think in either China or Korea, that had like three support players. It was a complete mess, and it kind of makes like a big joke almost of girls in gaming, and it associates that as cringy, as weird, and I think all these things just don't really help out kind of the stereotype. So, sorry, this is going on a lot, no. but I just want to say uh, something like how I think it can kind of be fixed is... Mm -hmm you know, trying to just get rid of those labels and just see women in gaming as a more normal thing. Because obviously we have people like Frost, Shox, uh, you know, Kelsey, even like some of the CEOs like Trisha. And it's like, yeah, they're just in esports. They're here to discuss it. And I really think it just needs to become more normalized. And that's, that's it. <laughs> Can I hit this uh, topic first, Travis? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I actually, like, I really love this topic because I think... Uh, one idea that I have, and it's not even a new idea, it's a completely old one, but to the point that you made about all women teams, like I think the intent should be really, really clear and genuine right from the get-go. Sometimes like the, the all women teams in, um, in, in China, a good example of it, can feel like it's not even catered to women, it's catered to the men in the scene, which I think is not genuine, it's not correct. Like I, and I've even seen amateur not amateur, uh, third-party tournaments. One was held in Montreal not so long ago that were an all-women team that I thought was a p big positive for the scene, or at least for women, just because it kind of hit what you wanted, like, or what, you know, women in the scene want, which is like a normalizing factor, a, a genuine way to generate interest and kind of al allow um, women who are higher ranked or competitively minded or just want to kind of have that sense of community and the game that they love an access or a way to kind of form a team and be more involved which feels like more of a gateway to what we'd want uh for the future which is women who are like have a lot more women in the competitive pool in challenger or grandmaster you we can always pick like strong women who are currently there but obviously like creating a stronger pool or a larger pool is something that we want. And what you said about like the community kind of demonizing and you know, using e-girls and all these things and being misogynistic, we've seen examples of that. And it's not just League of Legends specific, it is definitely esports um, and traditional sports is something that we have to be cognizant first if we wanna be able to uh, attack for sure. And I think that's, a, it feels really difficult from where we currently are. So one thing I would love to do, one I would love to ha uh, see happen is if Riot started by creating uh, all women like tournaments. It could be at an amateur level. It could be at a lower level for sure. But just so, you know, if you are, um, you know, in a collegiate level maybe, but like if you, if you are interested and you want to be able to be a part of a community uh, and kind of be more, um, I guess, more embedded in the scene, then I think that's a great way to start. Uh, that's I think that's a first step that I would love to see. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Mark. Oh, did you have something you want to tack on to that? Because I was going to pivot. Yeah, I was I was going to say even less on the competitive side. Like I know Nicole, you mentioned uh, sort of female faces that are highly visible. I, as somebody who has covered this game for so long as an esport, I remember there was a very long time where like if I ever met a woman at an event um it was she just absolutely 
found Shocks to be like the most remarkable, fantastic person ever. And Shocks, my friend, I think she's fantastic as well. But after I reali- a while, I realized like people don't, again, kind of going back, before Avalie was around, before Frosk, and I mean, Kelsey and, and Frosk have been around for a while, but I think maybe in less visible roles, there were not, there was like, if if you were a woman that watched League Esports, there was one person anywhere uh, highly visible that you could see, which was like shocks. And I think that that kind of, um, that representation problem was pretty clear. And, and it, I think the message, like, I get, I get that uh, not everyone is going to like this conversation because not everybody is, feels great about it. But I think the message that it sends when you look, if you are a woman and you're watching League of Esports and there is like 99% dudes that are a part of this, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is not a place that is for you. Um, and so ha- I have been happy that over the past several years, and we are nowhere near, I think, where it would be great to be. But I'm, I've been happy to see at least more prominent female faces uh, show up in the scene um, um, among team executives, among broadcasters, among uh, analysts. I know G2 has an analyst now uh, that I saw interviewed on the World's Broadcast that is, is doing great work. Um, so I, I've i been sort of excited to see uh, this this progress over the, the years, and I hope it continues in that way. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I was going to talk about, some of the, the sentiments I'm seeing in Twitch chat, which are, I think, common sentiments that were at one point something that I might have agreed with when I was like in high school or something, but I've changed a lot on over the years. Uh, one of the ones is like, everyone gets it bad in gaming, which I think is something that a lot of people say kind of reflexively when you talk about the culture surrounding women in gaming and downplay some of the struggles they face. Um, people who don't know, I dated Hafu for a couple of years and like getting the kind of like curtain pulled back on what her experience was on Twitch compared to other people. It, it's really different. Um, there's definitely an extra layer of hate that, that, and like, I guess, um, you know, like attacking that goes on. Uh, and so like, it's something that you might not notice if you are not close with someone and see it personally, because otherwise it's, it's very easy to make some of these statements to, dismiss some of it um and you know this is arguably the best women gamer of all time getting this kind of stuff you can imagine how it is <laughs> for more regular people um and so seeing that uh, another you know like that that's a common sentiment that you see and it's 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 one that you know you kind of just have to accept that it's it's really it is worse for different groups of people different minorities in in the different groups um and so it's definitely something to, to be aware of, as well as the fact that people talk about how uh, like population size and like uh, kind of what Nicole was sitting on about how people are expected to be um, gamers as girls. Like there's just almost this expectation that they're not going to take it as seriously, which is just this weird fucked up expectation that people have that they're not going to be tryhards or something. Um, you know, there's a lot of this kind of stuff. I think Vienna... Uh, Travis is mutual friend between us talked about this as well to some degree, I think. Um, and there's, there's a lot of these kinds of, of things that people, uh, kind of put on women who, who play league and stuff. And it's not, you can't paint a blanket statement for all these because, you know, leagues community might be different than like, I don't know, like animal crossings community. Like (laughs) it's just fucking night and day when you start talking about stuff like that. But, uh, for competitive gaming. You know, there there is this really harsh stigma of 
there's less women who do play competitively because if you don't know Hafu's story, her, I, I, I mean, this isn't, this is pretty public, so I don't think it's anything I can't say, but like she started playing WoW when because her ex-boyfriend started playing and all her, him and his friends told her that she wasn't going to be good. And that's why she became the best because she was like, man, fuck these guys. But not everyone has that mindset and you start getting beaten down as soon as you start playing almost. Um, and, you know, how many people have the mental resiliency, not just women, but how many people have the mental resiliency from the moment you start doing something that people tell you, this isn't for you? You know, how many people are going to climb to the top of that? As well as the fact that there's probably less approaching it from that angle. Um, you know, I think it's a, it's a really complex issue. Uh, yeah, uh, I... I just to to maybe say my final bit on this and then give the floor to Nicole before we close out the show is like I I think frequently about how weird it is that we as a society have decided that video games are for dudes generally speaking and it's like think about every other medium that is out there like music and reading and writing and uh film and all this stuff imagine if we just decided like oh films are for dudes like women don't watch films like that's they not they can watch like rom-coms but that's it yeah yeah you know, it's like, like it's, if that's like <laughs> it's such a weird thing and i i suspect that you know years from now as gaming becomes more um it's just like a general thing and like the the folks who don't game right now age out and all that stuff the demo changes like we're going to look back and be like how how weird was it that at the very beginning of all this we just decided video games were for dudes whenever they are like this amazing i mean i think everybody in the chat will agree that like video games are this amazing wonderful artistic medium and there's so many different types of it so to just imply that like uh the genre or the medium of video games is not it's just really it's a very strange way of thinking about things um, but Nicole, I know we are we are really over time, but I want to make sure that you have the opportunity to say any other sort of follow up thoughts or anything else that you think about um, with regards to this stuff. Uh, yeah, I just I don't know. Uh, it's actually kind of a good transition because I was going to talk about how I think like really the biggest thing preventing a lot of women from not only you know just being in esports, maybe playing at a high level because I, I think esports is like a really unique opportunity that in the next decade or so. We'll see if it becomes more equal, like play, like playing between men and women. If you know more women start playing, because there really isn't that, you know, physical, I guess, kind of barrier that you have with traditional sports, right? Um, but yeah, I think honestly, most of this is like a cultural thing, and I think a lot of it does come from, you know, family and friends, because just like always, I always hid my gaming from my parents because I knew, you know, you get the comments like oh, you're going to just like live in my basement all day, blah, blah, blah. And I know men get those too. But like when my brother asked, hey, I play games all day. I want a PC, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, ha, ha, you know, look, he's a gamer. Like my parents literally like refused to get me a PC. They're like, no, like you have to pay for it. We're going to make sure everything's okay, blah, blah, blah. Like they really, like it's something where it's like my brother had a way easier time. And I think a lot of that is just the expectations, right? And just not being used to maybe girls like having that grind, like, and I think that just in gaming in general, it really disincentivizes girls from grinding the game because of all those, you know, like judgment from not only their friends, where it's not really common, from their parents who aren't really used to it. Whereas with boys, it's more of a, you know, normal thing, you know, like every boy goes home and plays video games with their friend, but not every girl does. So when they start, I think it's a little bit, you know, the parents don't know what to do. You obviously don't talk about it with your friends. So yeah, that's basically 
Slight, I'm sli I know I shouldn't rise to the bait, but I'll just respond to two things I see in Twitch chat because maybe some people okay. are, maybe some people are, are confused. Maybe you can that. change some minds here, and it's worth the battle. Yeah, I'm gonna try. <laughs> exactly. So uh, some people say I hate how everyone turns it to, into a demographic thing. Um, some sometimes people just are not interested in stuff. It as it as if generally speaking, women have just decided inherently biologically like video games are are not for, for me. I would say, I would encourage those people who have those opinions to go uh, listen to any, like there's tons and tons of stuff of when Valorant voice chat came out, the way that women get treated in that game versus the way that dudes get treated when they show up on voice chat. And like, mm -hmm. I will say when I was younger, I don't think, I hope, I was never as terrible as the people that were in that, but I definitely probably made jokes about Oh, it's a girl voice or something like that in voice chat. And I'm happy that I've matured to a point where like, you know, it's, that's a stupid thing to do. Um, but like there, uh, anybody who does not think that women in the gaming space face considerably different reactions to existing in it than men do and have a very different experience is just fooling themselves. I, I think yeah. also like going way, way back, uh, I, I know this is just like a one-off, but one of the original gaming uh, things that was very popular when I was a kid was called a Game Boy. Uh, there are very subtle ways in which, you know, you can market products to men instead of women. And frequently, by the way, the exact same product will be repackaged and marketed to men or women in a very different way. So, like, there's a lot of different reasons why uh, there is a, a long-standing trend of marketing video games and treating... Uh, the gen the genders in video games very differently. All right, can I can I add one more thing as well? Yeah, Tag yes. in there, buddy. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, two things on this one actually. One kind of hitting my own personal experiences, but also just another talking about like just to piggyback your point about like um, you speak to a, a woman in the scene. Like I know obviously in the chat you can ask her, and she's already been very vocal about it. Shocks has been very vocal about it within my family. Like there's a very deep cultural uh, uh, difference between men and women. Like I would have to fight to do the fucking dishes you know what i mean like that that like with my own mother by the way my own mother has this thing ingrained in her own herself about like the 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 gender roles and what one should be doing one what shouldn't be doing like those are the type of things that exist within uh, each and every house like i'm sure people in, in you know america and canada have different stories everyone has their own stories but like if you want to know a, a a person's perspective in their own situation i'd say like really learn from that like understand them that's another point another uh, the, the point that i wanted to hit about my own thing like um yeah like for sure it's insanely hard for uh women coming in and like even like talking about a, a, a specific thing like i get messages about um like you know black people in the scene because like for me at the very least i know it's I had to have a thick skin if I wanted to be on the internet with like uh, the anonymous shit out here. I hate voice chat because I remember vividly when I was like 13 playing SOCOM and I was in the Southern servers that I heard the N-word a lot of times. That shit exists. And I, I got pissed off every fucking time. Um, so like that's why I think equity is important. That's why when I talked about having like uh, women tournaments to strengthen the community amongst them and feel like they belong is because... It, that if that's not the case in the current environment and you're currently still having these conversations with people to understand your perspective, then you should also strengthen the environment over there so that they feel like they're still welcomed. I, uh, that, that's something that I think really should be the first step. 
um, because it's not going to be quick, it's not going to be easy, and it's not going to be popular. Uh, but you should still fucking do it anyways because you know it's right. Yeah, to chime in on the, the like... Well, really quickly, I just want to address something I'm seeing in Twitch chat. Uh, I know that this is um, a very serious topic, but it's hilarious because Kobe raided the channel. Horrible timing. So not only did they show up during this very serious topic, but he also told them to spam the CAT word. For Kobe. And yeah. so everybody showed up with the raid, all immediately tried to do the raid spam, all immediately got timed out by Nightbot. What a great way. Uh, Mark. While we're as talking about yeah, serious yeah. stuff. I was going to say, yeah, like the, the women exclusive tournaments, I think people often look at it, you know, from a, a flawed like from their own perspective like as a dude i'm excluded from this tournament they think it like is increasing uh, this is uh, something i even said saw in, in the chat this time was like it's increasing segregation by having women only tournaments and it's it's not about trying like this is not the, the lcs level we're talking about a, an event to make a subset a minority group of people feel more comfortable attending events as a whole set like they can have a their own environment that is more comfortable for for people to play in. Because um, if you've ever been to like a local tournament, like if you've ever been to MLGs, if you've been to like just like I've gone to local Smash events, you know, and it's like ninety nine percent dudes, and it can be uncomfortable. Uh, so I, I think like the point is not to to separate people, but to give people with similar interests a place to feel comfortable, and then. Hopefully that increases overall numbers and participation in events. And then, you know, there's still the, there's still the totally open ones. Like you're, we're not saying get rid of other events. It's not like this mutually exclusive thing where to have one event, you must cancel other events. It's, you know, I think that's, that's something that often gets that's mixed up with, with some of the ideas that people are pushing for. Yeah. Uh, so I, I saw Avli wants to come on. I messaged her, but, um, uh, and <laughs> instead of, Instead of me of her understanding that I told her that we're thirty minutes over time, she's now memeing me in the Twitch chat. But um, what if we swapped her for me? Uh, <laughs> I think I think the show has gone on. <laughs> Unfortunately, we cannot turn this discussion. You know, I think it's important to have it. I wish we had more time than like, but we are thirty minutes over time frame, and hopefully, you know, it's something that we can talk again in the future. So, um, uh, thank you, Nicole, so much for the call and for raising this. I think it's important. Is there anything you want to say before we close out the show? Maybe some shout outs or something. Are you sure we can't get Ovli on and just cut the show short? Like cut the show here and then do like a post show segment with Ovli? Because I love Ovli. I'd love to like I would I would suggest you and <laughs> I would suggest you and I feel very sad right now because I'd love to <laughs> make this happen for you. But okay. I I would suggest you and Ovli reach out and maybe you guys can do something together because I yes. unfortunately have a like sponsor thing i was planning on doing right after this and then oh, okay. i need to eat and it's also getting close to i mean it's gonna be midnight and by the time i'm done with the stream so um right. i i apologize <laughs> that i can't have it go longer is there well, any shout outs are there any shout outs or anything that you want to uh make before we close out the show uh yeah i will shout out ovily hit me up because i'd love to talk and just see what's up that's it <laughs> that's what i love to hear there we go <laughs> Uh, very good. Well, thank you so much, uh, Nicole, for your time, and uh, we'll yeah. catch you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. That is the show. Uh, Mark, is there anything you want to say at the end of the show here? No. Um, you know, it was a fun episode. I like taking the, the more open-ended calls. Uh, unfortunate that we, you know, I probably pulled too many people before getting to the last topic, uh, which is a 
you know, yeah, we had a it's few a big one. many useless topics, but thank I God we had the Travis mod one. <laughs> droning on. You two droned on on the last two topics. I, I don't know, man. I, I think, mean, it was I tough because I topic definitely deserved the time. The, I feel like it was difficult because there's hotshot, you know, like I don't want to, I don't, that's a complicated topic about somebody that I know. I don't want to just like, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, but hopefully uh, we have another stinker of an episode so we can, that's, that's really slow. So we can, we can maybe delve into another complex topic more at the start of the show. So we allocate the proper amount of time for it True. or something. Uh, Raz, any shout outs since you ended up being having a co-host for this episode? Uh, big shout out to Nicole for the last question. I really enjoyed that one. Like, I, I thought that was a great topic, and I think uh, any future topics or shows or anything uh, around that subject would be fantastic. Yeah. That's you implicitly signing up to do them. Yeah, Travis, get in there. Can't can't wait. Uh, Slash Ovily. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, he, I think what we will do is in the future, if we do bring up this topic, I will try to get Ovily on. I promise that because it is tough, I think, for us as three dudes to uh, appropriately and, give the responses that we, uh, yeah, I mean, the topic deserves. Yeah, and it's it's not a planned thing. I mean, that's the whole nature of this show is it's kind of whatever pops up in chat, and we saw it, so we pulled it and figured it's better to talk about it, uh, even if it's a little too short, and even if it's not, you know, it is three dudes. I think it's better to talk about it than to sweep it under the rug and just, you know, not. Yeah, talk that was about my it. my philosophy on this as well. Yeah. Um, either way, uh, thanks everyone for watching. I will hopefully have more content coming out soon. Uh, still waiting on that Reginald interview, um, which I don't know when it's going to show up, uh, but hopefully it ends up happening. And uh, stick around on the stream because I'm going to do a quick sponsor thing before I head out to get food. Um, either way, thanks so much, Mark and Raz, for the show. Thanks to all of our callers. And this has been Hotline League, episode 152.